Can you dream of a world immune to cancer? Hello, everyone. My name is Nick, and I'm the host of the annual live stream for The Cure, where content creators and podcasters from around the world join me to raise money for the Cancer Research Institute and Immunotherapy Research, which is training the body's immune system to fight against all forms of cancer. Over the past seven years, thanks to the power of indie podcasters and the indie podcasting community and listeners just like you listening to this right now, we have raised over $90,000. And as I record this now, the eighth annual live stream for The Cure is barreling down upon us really, really quickly in just about two weeks. So join us, please, from May 29th through June 1st for 48 hours of amazing content from people all over the world and help us fight for a world immune to cancer. And I'll return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Thank you so, so much. And together... We can make a difference. Hotshot, there's a podcast in your ears. Once that podcast reaches eight episodes, a guest is introduced. If that guest chooses the best action thriller movie, this podcast blows up. And by that we mean figuratively rather than literally. What do you do? (laughs) What do you do? I'm sorry. I couldn't help it. It's funny. You were supposed to laugh. (laughs) Thanks. So, hi everyone. Welcome to episode eight of Verbal Diorama. Uh, my name's Em, and today we are going to be talking about speed. Um, and I will be introducing my special guest in a little bit. Um, the format of this episode will be slightly different, um, but hopefully no less enjoyable because of my special guest. Um, she's someone who's always been very supportive of this podcast and other podcasts as well. So please say hello to the lovely Kristen from Someone Watching the Show. Hi, Kristen. Hello. Hi. So thank you so much for coming on Verbal Diorama. And Of course, I'm so excited. <laughs> well, I'm so excited too, because obviously I've been listening to your show for a long time and you are officially the first ever guest on Verbal Diorama. How does that make you feel? It is a great honor. I'm very excited. <laughs> well, I'm really excited too. And um, so, yeah, the format is going to be a bit different because in order to accommodate a guest, obviously that means that, A, I'm not going to be talking to myself for a change, which is so wonderful because <laughs> because I obviously do a lot of that. Obviously, what I do normally do is um, I normally kind of say what I've been up to. So, um, so yeah, I'll just quickly run through that. Um, tomorrow, actually, I'm being interviewed by another podcast, which is going to be so much fun, uh, by the guys from At The Flicks uh, podcast. Um, and also, I'm currently in the process of arranging a guest hosting slot on another show, hopefully going to be in July. Um, but um, kind of date wise, we haven't really agreed. Um, I'm going to be recording the next episode and I'll be having my second special guest on that episode. And I'll announce 
that person and the topic that we're going to be talking about at the end of this one. So, Kristen, have you been up to anything fun recently that you want to discuss? Um, not anything super fun. We're about to have a couple fun things uh, in the next few months. We've mostly been just at the at the regular grind. We saw Aladdin on Thursday, so that episode's coming out. Uh, oh gosh, so five days before this episode came out, <laughs> our Aladdin will, our Aladdin episode will be out. Wow. Um. So yeah, but other than that, we're just you know trying to get out there. We saw an early screening of Rocket Man, which was excellent. Oh, I can't wait uh, to see that. Yeah, we're gonna go see Florence and the Machine on June sixth. That's pretty cool. Oh, I love Florence and the Machine. She's yeah. awesome. What I thought I'd do, if it's okay, um, because. <clears throat> I would imagine that the majority of people who are listening to Verbal Diorama will probably already be listening to So I'm Watching This Show. Um, Maybe. But I thought it might be quite nice just for people who maybe haven't listened to your show, just to kind of maybe get to know you a little bit better. Um, Sure. Because hopefully then they will come and listen to your show. (laughs) Fingers crossed. (laughs) So so basically, I was just kind of wondering, um, what made you want to get into podcasting sure um so we started playing around with the idea in late 2017 um we actually will and i wrote a book together um it's called fairy tale there's a link to it on our website if you'd like to purchase it anybody it's uh it's called fairy tale and the website is so i'm watching.com i know we're gonna plug at the end too but just in case uh and so we were we had been working on that for about 18 months and we finished the book and we were trying to figure out how we could produce more content like regularly because will is the creative like brain he's the one that came up with the story and everything i was just helping him finish the book uh because he'd been working on it for quite a while before that and then i got really 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 into my favorite murder right around that time in 2017 and so i was like they are just i mean i love them so much but i was like they're just talking most of the time like it's not like they're not doing anything super professional. It doesn't sound like a radio show. It doesn't sound like NPR. And I was like, we could easily do that. And Will was a little tentative at first, and I was like, look, we already do this in our lives. And I was like, I think we could do it. And so then my husband Will was like, you guys already are just nonstop shouting agreements at each other about movies and TV all the time. Can you point your voices at a mic? He was like, I'll edit it for you. I'll help you with all the like technical stuff. Just do something. And so we just started recording stuff and then we put it out there in January of 2018. And uh, I guess the rest, as they say, is history. And it just kind of blew up from there, I guess, for you guys. I mean, I wouldn't say we blew up, but we like... You know, we got a like a nice little community around us now, and I mm. it's that's been my favorite part is actually like the friends that we've made on Twitter that like we just talk about the stuff we love to talk about with them all the time, and it's you know that's what I that's what I want to do forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is really cool actually, and I think that generally there's a lot of negativity about Twitter, especially. Um, mm-hmm. But I've only found positive things on kind of the podcast community on Twitter. And mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, I would completely agree with you that the, the the community that's out there is really supportive and really friendly. And yeah, just always happy to kind of have a chat about things. And, and yeah, yeah I great. just, I don't see, I don't see the point in engaging on social media if you're doing it to be mean. I would much rather 
you know, lift other people up and have them lift us up with them than cut people down. And, like, when I see something on Twitter that frustrates me, I just shout about it to mm. my husband or to Will and, like, that's it. So. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's so much negativity in the world. It's just, it's, it's, it's nice to have a little, that little kind of area of positivity. And I think it is. And that's something that I've kind of always found really helpful is mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, people... I was always really worried and I I put off starting the show for so long because I was worried about doing it on my own. And then I realised, well, hold on, I'm not alone. You know, yeah, I sit here on my own and I talk to myself like a weirdo. But but generally, like, I know that there are people out there that if I've got a problem or I'm not sure or whatever, then I can talk to those people, you know, and I can get advice. And, you know, so you're not alone. And... And to me, that was like this kind of, kind of safety blanket that I needed, uh, you know, to no, be totally a solo agree. podcast. I was going to say, I, I don't know how you do it. I would. <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> I would never have been able to do it by myself. The fact that, I mean, I've been, Will and I have known each other for pretty much 20, 20, 21 years now. And we've been really close friends for like about 15 of those. And I couldn't do this if it wasn't with him. I couldn't even do this weekly with my husband because we bicker too much <laughs> and it would not be fun to listen to <laughs> i mean that's one of the things i like so much about your show is is that relationship that you have with will and mm. you know the fact that the the banter that you guys have is is just so it's just so like enticing and it kind of brings you in <laughs> because it is like having a conversation with your friends yeah. about about you know that particular show or film or whatever you're talking about and that's I think why I like your show so much is that it does feel like you're just you're just kind of having a chat with friends and I kind of listen to you and I'm kind of nodding along going well yeah actually you know I agree (laughs) and you know I think I've messaged you a few times and just gone you know either I agree with you or I agree with Will or I agree with both of you and it's and I think that's that's what makes it so brilliant you know um so I mean how would you describe so I'm watching this show to someone who's never listened before do you think yeah um I would guess I would just say we sort of do a mix of uh tv movies uh old stuff that we love new stuff that's coming out a little bit of music sometimes Will is really into music uh more than I am and so he likes to talk about newer music sometimes but yeah we've just basically pick a pick a movie or pick a tv show or pick a topic and then we just you know go to town it's just kind of a free form discussion usually we don't we don't have a lot of notes for the most part will takes more notes than i do i was taking a lot of notes at the beginning and then i just i was like eh, i can figure it out so i only really <laughs> take notes when we're watching something new that i've never seen before um but yeah we just we like to have chats about whatever pop culture is going on at the time it's what we do in our personal lives anyway and so we just like my husband suggested started pointing our mouths on a microphone and capturing it all for the public and <clears throat> and that you do <laughs> yes yeah you know um, what obviously i know you've got so many episodes and mm-hmm. and what amazes me about you guys is that you're like pretty constantly like putting stuff out like every time I look at my phone it's like a new episode and I'm like how do they do that (laughs) it's like I swear to god it's like more than once a week yeah so we release on Tuesdays and Fridays and then um we we were just doing three uh tv shows for patreon exclusives we were doing game of thrones and 911 and riverdale um 
Yeah, so when we started out, I was like, two a week, I was like, you know, just, like, at least to start with, I was like, two a week sounds good, that's that's nice, because it's good that we can do one um, older thing that's something that we love, and then one newer thing that's a little bit more topical and gets in the zeitgeist a little, and, uh, you know, then, you know, 18 months later, we are not, we haven't slowed down, and so at a certain point, we were like, should we cut down to, like, once a week, or should we just keep going, and we decided to just keep going, so we are... Pretty busy. I mean, usually we try to go to the movies on Thursdays um, with the new releases so we can go see the new movie and it'll that can come out on our Tuesday episode. And then the Friday episodes usually are the ones that are not about something new. They're about something old. Right. Yeah, because, I mean, obviously for me, I I would struggle to get something out like once a week. And that's why I've kind of stuck to now kind of every two weeks because mm-hmm. obviously the fact that well, the fact that I do it on my own obviously is a, is a bit of a detriment to that because I think if I did have someone who was like you know editing and helping, then I probably could do it a bit more yeah. often. But but yeah, it's always amazed me like just the fact that not only do you get the episodes out, but they're always like the quality is always really good. And sometimes you think, well, if someone's getting stuff out like that often then the quality might dip. But for you guys, it never seems to. And I'm like, how? Like, how that are you is, seeing these movies? And like, That is all down to my husband. Uh, my husband will, if anybody wants to follow him on Twitter, it's at Mightiest Beard. Uh, he is the one who edits all of our stuff. He's the one that puts in the little sound bites. He's the one that puts in trailer, uh, you know, audio and stuff. He is absolutely the reason that we sound as good as we do. There's no question about it. Uh, we Will and I just have to sit down and, and talk shit at each other like i said <laughs> and will's will my husband is the one who makes it sound good yeah <clears throat> um do you have like a favorite episode or a topic that you've covered that you are just like that is like my favorite ever well um <laughs> the, okay my answer is twofold because one of my one of our my favorite episodes of ours recently was when we talked about alita battle angel because there's a moment in the middle of it oh sorry just remembered yeah. i listened to that yeah <laughs> There's a moment in the middle of it where we both just get hysterical because we, our goal going into this was we had seen so many podcasts about, you know, people who just hate on movies all the time where they're like, Mm. this is bad and I'll tell you why and you're bad for liking it if you do. And we didn't want to do that. So one of our like big mantras the whole time has been, we want to like the things that we watch. So we try to go into everything hoping that we'll like it and we try to find the good aspects and everything yeah but we both just front to back hated alita battle angel yeah i remember (laughs) we thought it was so bad and so there's this one moment in the middle where we have like reached the peak and we are hysterical about it like we cannot even keep going we're both laughing will's like choking because he's laughing so hard i was I it was the first time I'd ever wished so hard that we were doing video because I think I was the color of a legit like the snow white apple. I was so red and so hot. I was crying. I was laughing so hard. So that is I think <clears throat> one of the most fun times I've had recording. But as for topics, I obviously love when we talk about Buffy. Those are those are my favorite episodes to like prep for cuz I just get to rewatch Buffy. <laughs> yeah. Well, any any excuse to rewatch Buffy is a good excuse to of rewatch course. Buffy, as far as Always. I'm concerned. But I must admit, I remember listening to your Alita Battle Angel episode because I I don't see many movies that come out in the cinema just because my cinema is quite a while away and it it's just not really convenient um, mm-hmm. for where I live. But 
Um, and I, I made a point of seeing Elita because I thought, oh, this looks really good. And and I remember I was like, oh, you know, oh, uh, Will and Kristen have got a Elita episode. I'm going to listen to that. And I was like <laughs> listening to this and I was like, oh, my God, they hate this. <laughs> and I it's unusual. Hate it. It's amazing. It's it. And to be fair, <laughs> I think I I think I messaged you and I was like, oh, well, you know, I actually thought Alita was OK. And then it was like. Yeah, I I kind of figured quite early on that you guys just were not in for that movie at Look, all. Look, it it is it is honestly a to each their own kind of thing. If you liked it, that is fine. Yeah. We are not manga people, so we thought maybe that could be part of it. Like we don't like manga in general. It's not something we don't read anime, we don't watch manga. That could definitely be part of it. But also it just was such a weird interpretation of what I'm assuming is actually a really good manga and really good anime. I've heard people talk about it for years and I'm mm. just like, I don't understand how this is what you got from that. <laughs> that was my, that was my thing. I don't know how that movie came out of what I, what by all accounts is quality content. <laughs> yeah. I think, I mean, I think the important thing is, is it's like artist subjective, isn't it? So like, oh, not every, sure. not everyone is going to like everything. Um, but yeah, I, your episode just made me laugh so much. <laughs> and it was, it kind of came, it wasn't from a point of, you know, laughing because, oh, you know, why, why do they not like Alita? It was just the reactions from you yeah. guys about <laughs> Alita. And I was just like, this is amazing. This is the best. <laughs> and yeah, it, that that episode is phenomenal. Like, I just think it's great. And um, yeah, so I mean, I'm glad that that's your favourite episode because it's definitely one of mine as well. Yeah. Just for the fact that you hated it so much and that you were just were all out. <laughs> Even though, I mean, I thought the movie was was fine. Like, I thought yeah. there were bits to enjoy, but but yeah, it's it's an each their own situation, isn't it? And it obviously wasn't for you guys. Um, <laughs> but um, but yeah. Um, and I guess kind of obviously you've you've been doing the show sort of for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have like kind of an ultimate dream for someone watching the show? Like what what do you want to eventually do sort of for it? Yeah, um, you know, I think I'd be lying if I didn't say I'd love for this to be a job. You know, I, I write some stuff for the website too. Um, I try to keep up with some, you know, TV shows and I try to write little you know, recaps or synopses for those and stuff every week. So, um, yeah, I mean, eventually it would, I would love to just be able to have like a, uh, you know, like a pop culture situation be my job. Um, mm. that is obviously quite a ways away. And so I do still have a day job, but, um, we also, you know, Will's got a lot of ideas for other books and we're kind of working on, on that on the side and stuff. So, there's a lot going on. Eventually, we'd love to be able to work for ourselves and have kind of like a publishing slash production company because we've got some ideas about adapting fairy tale and if we're able to do it by ourselves, so much the better. But there's, you know, all, obviously all of that is a long road to hoe. So yeah, we've, we've there's a lot going on. There's a lot we're thinking of doing. This, this year is kind of transitional because, you know, we're like thinking of relocating houses and stuff. So there's a lot going on, but we are, you know, always striving to be able to work at our own, at our own endeavors. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think anyone that does a podcast has, you've got to have kind of big dreams. I think that most people who kind of sit down every week and kind of record something, I think that they, they do it because they, they love to do it. They don't Mm -hmm. do it because it's like a, a chore or something. 
So from that, you naturally kind of have aspirations and dreams and, you know, regardless of how far in the future that might be. Um, Yeah, exactly. You know, it's also, it's one of those things that just, this is one of those things that feels so random. It's almost sort of like, you know, in the 90s, you know, getting a record deal where it was just, it's just like so random where it's like at any given moment, somebody, you know, quote unquote important could stumble upon the podcast. You never know. Yeah. You know, or we could do this for five more years and keep steady where we are. And it's just sort of, you have to do it for yourself. I think yeah. before you do it for the like, you know, quote unquote fame and glory. And I think we just have so much fun doing it. And, you know, like I've said a couple of times already, we would be doing it anyway, even if we weren't recording it. So we may as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Like anyone who's getting into podcasting, if they are doing it just to become, you know, a famous podcaster, then that's kind of not the right mindset to have because you you need to love what you do. Mm -hmm. And that kind of goes for sort of everything in life, whether it's your your day job or or not. You still need to love what you do in order to get something out of it. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I think that, you know, the whole... Um, becoming a pod, I think becoming a podcaster is kind of the the, the in thing that a lot of people are doing now because I, I noticed like a lot of celebrities are going on having a podcast and it's kind yeah. of like the thing now, um, which kind of makes it a bit harder for kind of you know the little guys because it's I like, agree you know now that the celebrities are kind of coming into podcasting it's like they're automatically going to get the recognition and the downloads and the awards the, and, and the um the advertisers and stuff too exactly because they're celebrities of course mm-hmm. they are so i think the, that kind of does make it a bit more difficult but it also kind of i think it kind of spurs you on a little bit more as well yeah that, absolutely you know, yeah i i i could be that big one day you just don't know but it it would be something nice but you kind of you kind of don't do it for that you do it in spite of that yeah definitely kind of so um um anyway we are going to move on to, to speed <laughs> but before we do um so when we talked about you coming on the show i kind mm-hmm. of gave you uh, a list of of kind of titles that i was interested in um and um we originally kind of settled on speed um and specifically because you said it was something that will probably wouldn't be interested in talking about um so or- yeah I tried to, you gave me a list and I was going through it and I will, I'll admit that probably about half of them we either have, we've already covered or we have plans to cover in the future. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't want to pick something we were going to do or had already done. Which um, is fair. Yeah. And so then I was going through with specifically the mind to pick something Will wouldn't want to do because he's out of town this weekend and he wouldn't be able to join us. And so... um I was like, I don't think, I was like, I don't remember him really caring for speed and he's not like a huge action movie person. So I was like, that's probably a good one. And so I sent him the list and he, he was like, the only one I think that he, that he said he wanted to watch was Cloud Atlas. He was like, I would watch that one because we really like the Wachowskis. And uh, I was like, okay, cool. Cause Em already picked speed. So <laughs> I was like, <laughs> good deal. Oh, that is really good. Um, Sorry, I was just I just just decided to click on Wikipedia. Um, so, right, let's talk about speed. So, what I'll do is I'll put like a little trailer bit in here anyway. So, um, right, so um, we're not going to go through a synopsis like I normally do because we're actually going to kind of. I thought it'd be good to kind of talk through the film, talk about 
parts of the plot, what we liked and what we didn't like, sort of that sort of thing. But um, I want to quickly just kind of go through the cast and the characters um, because there are some fairly big names in this movie. And I'm only really going to talk about the, the main people because no one cares much about anyone else. Everyone... Well, I was going to say, I have some things to say about some of the other bus passengers, but we can get there. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, we can get there. Um, so, obviously, um, the movie stars Keanu Reeves as Jack Traven. Um, it's got Dennis Hopper who as Howard Payne, Sandra Bullock as Annie Porter, and Jeff Daniels as Harry Temple. So, I'm kind of there. They're kind of the main four players in the movie. Yeah. Um, so... Keanu Reeves, um, obviously previous to this, was mostly known for Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, um, both of which are excellent. Um, <laughs> and um, I mean, he did he did loads back then, but kind of the main things, he was in Point Break. Um, he was especially bad in Bram Stoker's Dracula. Um, which <laughs> to Go find our episode from last October if you want to hear us talk about that. <laughs> but is i only remember that film fondly um but i've it's been a long time since i've seen it so mm-hmm. maybe i need to rewatch to fully appreciate how miscast he actually was in that film um, yeah he he and winona Ryder are not very well cast but the movie as a whole is excellent i i love the movie i absolutely love it i think i think gary oldman is just perfect mm-hmm. in that film i yeah i and I think, as well, the whole because it's uh, it's Francis Ford Coppola, isn't it? And yes, I love the, I love the way it looks and how gothic it looks. And I and... will tell you why you love the way it looks, and it's because like ninety eight percent of the effects are in camera, so they're practical. There's yeah. nothing. Nothing is like an after effect. Yeah, and I I've always been a massive advocate for practical effects. I think mm-hmm. practical effects on the whole just look so much better. Um, but yeah, I I really need to rewatch that because it's been so long. But I do I do recall um, visiting my cousins, and I think I was quite young, and we were watching that film, and I I didn't quite understand the sex scenes because <laughs> I was a little bit like, but he's a vampire and she's not a vampire, and my cousins were quite. I remember my cousins because they were older, like uh-huh. trying to explain what was going on. <laughs> Well, so, now that you're such a fan of Buffy, do you get it now? <laughs> I get it. I mean, the vampire I, sex scenes. <laughs> mm, yeah, I get. And the thing is, is is Gary Oldman is so hot in that. He's film. so hot in that movie. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I know. It's um. Oh it, uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to be. I've got that on DVD downstairs, so I'm definitely going to rewatch that soon, just mm-hmm. to kind of catch myself up on on obviously the the film, but also the uh, the uh, varied casting history of Keanu Reeves. Um, he was also in um, My Own Private Idaho with River Phoenix. And... I was going to mention that because he's very good in that. He's yeah. very well cast in that. And and they were really close friends. And then I read that uh, River Phoenix actually died during the production of Speed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think he had a little bit of time off um, because they were really close. Um, mm-hmm. Because obviously River Phoenix was... Um, I actually want to... I do want to cover 
some of his movies because I was such a massive fan of him when I was younger, mm-hmm. mainly because he was so good looking. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie about that. I was young, and he was really <laughs> this really good looking blonde. Yeah. Just all American boy, and I was I was head over heels for River Phoenix, and I remember when he died and the whole kind of Viper Room incident, and you know I remember that Samantha Mathis, um, who was his girlfriend at the time, and because yeah. Um, yeah, I remember all so vividly, and I was really young when that happened. I was but... going to say I think I was only nine. Yeah, yeah, I was probably just a little bit older than that, yeah. um, but. Yeah, I remember it so vividly. Um, and his, I, I often wonder with people like River Phoenix, if they lived, like if he was still around, like what he would be doing today. And I kind of feel like he would be like of the caliber of, you know, the Leonardo DiCaprio kind of caliber of literally great in pretty much everything. And I kind of feel yeah. like he'd have loads of Oscars and he'd just be... I think well, Leonardo just... DiCaprio only has the well, one, so who okay. knows? <laughs> <laughs> but he he was nominated quite a few times, was, yeah. and um, but yeah, I kind of feel like he would he would literally be up there. Um, but yeah, I, I often kind of feel quite sad when I think of like River Phoenix and how you know he died so young, and I think he was only twenty seven. Yeah, he was he quite died. he was quite young. Um, so yeah, and I was it... gonna say I'll gladly come back on if you want to talk about Stand by Me because that is my favorite movie of all time. Is it really? It really is, yeah. Wow. Oh, do you know what? I've not seen that in such a long time. That's another one I need to rewatch because it's been years and years since I've seen Stand By Me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, I, I definitely do want to do something for River Phoenix. Just, I don't know. I might just pick like a couple of films or something just to kind of do a little something for him. But um, anyway, I've, I kind of feel like <laughs> I've gone off on a tangent. But, but yeah, so... Um, yeah, obviously losing your your close friend during you know making a movie is is not going to be particularly easy. Um, I think that you know I think Keanu Reeves is I think he's amazing in this film. I think he's just phenomenal. I think he cements himself as this um, action star. Absolutely potential. I think he's wonderful. But I want to talk a little bit about Sandra Bullock, especially because this was kind of she'd been in Demolition Man a couple of years prior, and I know she'd been in small roles, but she was just, I think, standout, brilliant in this film. I, I thought, oh yeah, I think she's wonderful. She, I remember um, when this came out, I, I had the biggest crush on Keanu Reeves because who wouldn't? But I of wanted, course. I wanted to be Sandra Bullock. And I think I even cut my hair like her. And <laughs> she was, yeah, she was like massive inspiration for me. Like when I was younger and I wanted to look like her because I've got like brown hair like her. And and I was just like, I want to be Sandra Bullock. And I, I remember feeling like that for a long time that I wanted. And then I, and then I probably wanted to be Rachel from Friends. So <laughs> yeah, those those both kind of run in tandem. They were very, very, you know, on the upward swing at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Um but yeah, so this was kind of her breakout role and she's kind of, I mean, her career has just kind of gone from strength to strength and she, she's kind of, I kind of feel like she's like America's sweetheart. Like She definitely, I, I would say she's moving to a different, um, you know, section of her career right now, but for, you know, the mid to late 90s, absolutely, she was America's sweetheart. It was mm. like, like her and uh, Jennifer Aniston, absolutely. yeah. Yeah, very much. It's, it's quite weird that they've kind of been in quite tandem with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because Sandra Bullock did do quite a few kind of romantic comedies and she kind of branched out to try and do different things and Jennifer Aniston's always someone who I find really fascinating because mm-hmm. she did the Rachel roles like the romantic comedy roles and then she kind of branched out into into more interesting kind of I'm trying to remember the name of the film that I really love that she's in it's where was it the good she, girl the good girl yeah. yeah and I was I was blown away I was like I can't believe this is Rachel from Friends she's outstanding that's like, one of my favorite female performances ever I just like I just wouldn't imagine and I know she's a good actress because I think she's proven she's good, but I just, I could never imagine at that time her coming out with something like that after Agreed, being yeah. known as, as Rachel from Friends. And, and, um, and yeah, the, the other thing that I really like is obviously I lo- I really love her in Horrible Bosses. Because <laughs> I haven't actually seen that, but I've seen clips of her from it. I mean, she's such a sexual predator. I mean, <laughs> if, if that was a man, like it would be seen as like a massive issue but because she's a woman in the yeah. film she then the film kind of feels like it can get away with the fact that she's a bit of a sexual predator um actually she's a lot of a sexual predator <laughs> but i love that she can she can convincingly do that that you know she is that good that yeah. you you genuinely believe that she is a deviant you know um it's it's quite incredible um anyway kind of move need to move away from jennifer aniston um because <laughs> this isn't about her Back to um, <laughs> yeah um but to me sandra bullock is just i just kind of feel like i just love her so much i don't i don't think she's done anything that i would say i dislike actively um do you kind of feel the same can you think of something that she's done that because I can't. There's, um, I mean, there's some things that aren't as good as other things. Like, um, shoot, what's that one called? That's like, kind oh, did, of. Did she win a Razzie or something? Yeah, or something? for All About Steve, that one with Bradley Cooper. But it was the same year that she won the Oscar for The Blind Side. So it's kind of, and she, the the thing though about her is that she's such a good sport because she showed up in person to accept her Razzie. So, yeah, and that's why she's so wonderful because she's yeah. so self-deprecating mm. that she's just like, yeah, I'll sign, I'll turn up for my Razzie, mm. it's fine, and and that's why she's America's sweetheart. She's like the world's sweetheart. She's, yeah, she can do no wrong. I think she's wonderful. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Dennis Hopper because, I mean, I didn't even know his career was so long, and mm-hmm. I feel like an idiot because. I did some research, just some sort of quick research on um, what we were going to talk about. And I was like, Dennis Hopper, yeah, yeah, he's been in Super Mario Brothers, you know. Um, (laughs) I'm I'm sure he's, you know, had a career that's, you know, maybe 10 or 20 years long. And I was like, oh, my God, he started in the 50s. And I was like, and like, he acted alongside James Dean. (laughs) And I'm like... How did I miss this? Like, how did I not know about Dennis Hopper? I, I, I literally feel like an idiot. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Um, I think he does. He's done a lot of things that I don't love. Uh, he does a lot of. He did a lot of stuff with David Lynch, and I don't love David Lynch. Um, and I, he did Easy Rider, and I don't really like Easy Rider. And so there's like a lot of stuff that. I didn't really follow his career, but I've, like, always known who he was. Mm. I think he's one of those people. Yeah. I just, I, I'm obviously a bit of a naive British idiot because <laughs> I just, genuinely, it surprised me that he'd been, his career was that long. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously, um, 
you know, I mentioned Super Mario Brothers. That was kind of a joke, but it also kind of wasn't because that was really the first thing that I ever saw him in was Super Mario Brothers. And to be honest, I'm not going to lie. I am going to have it on the podcast at some point. It's on my list because when I was a child, me and my brother pretty much watched two films continuously. One of them was Disney's Aladdin. Okay. Which is another reason why I'm kind of a little bit like, do I want to watch this remake? Do I not? But I probably will because I love the original so much. Yeah. Um, And the other one was Super Mario Brothers. And I'm (laughs) sure my parents really hated us (laughs) when we were children. Um, Because the thing is, I remember Super Mario Brothers so fondly because I was so young. And I played the video games all the time. And... But I've not seen it since then. And I know that a lot of people genuinely hate that movie and think it's literally the most rubbish movie in the world. But for me, I have such a fondness for it. And I have a fondness for Bob Hoskins. Um, I do some, love Bob Hoskins. And, you know, obviously someone who I talked about quite a lot in Who Framed Roger Rabbit because mm-hmm. he was he was such a wonderful actor and came across as a wonderful person. And And Bob Hoskins is in that movie. And... Obviously, I've just mentioned Samantha Mathis, you know, who was River Phoenix's girlfriend. Um, she was in that movie. And so I kind of feel like all of these, like, tangents, all kind of... Everything comes to, <laughs> to Super Mario Brothers for me. And <laughs> all I, roads I, lead back to Super Mario Brothers. And the thing is, is I know everyone hates it. And part of me is so scared to watch it because I know being, you know, a a woman in my 30s who's not probably not seen this movie for, like... 20 plus years mm-hmm. is probably going to go oh my god this is the worst movie ever and I feel <laughs> like it's going to ruin my whole childhood because I love it I loved it so much back then yeah so I'm scared I'm actually scared to watch it again because I know I'm going to hate it <laughs> and I don't want to but yeah the whole Dennis Hopper with the the lizard tongue and yeah the, see that that didn't really bother me as a kid I just thought it was I guess I thought it was cool, but I think that I think that movie is probably quite problematic nowadays. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. So so many things that I liked when I was a child are problematic now, yeah. and I you kind of have to. I mean, honestly, and this is bringing it back full circle in a different way. But sometimes I watch Buffy, and I'm like, oh man, Xander's kind of an incel, isn't he? Oh and my it's god, he like, so is. It's really it's like upsetting, but you kind of my what I do is I just sort of like turn that side of my brain off and it reminds me of this headline from the onion where it was like woman puts away feminist ideals so she can enjoy 30 goddamn minutes of frivolous tv and it's like she's watching say yes to the dress or something (laughs) and it's like so I have to like I definitely have to turn the like activisty part of my brain off when I watch some old things because I'm like this is just a fun thing for my childhood I'm allowed to still like it yeah no I completely understand that because I I do have a tendency to watch things that I, I loved in the past and and to be fair I can't think of an example off the top of my head but and nowadays me would just be appalled by you know how they treat women and mm-hmm. you know the fact that the fact that movies don't pass the Bechdel test and mm-hmm. just uh, things like that but sometimes you do have to just kind of forgive it because you kind of you have that connection to it. it 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 kind of takes you back to your childhood and and it is really difficult it is really difficult to switch off that part of your brain that then you were like well it doesn't matter that the 
women are just the kitchen slaves. Yeah. You know, it's like... Well, and that's the thing, too. You know, we we actually talk a decent amount about the Bechdel test because I think it's a really good jumping off point. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's, like, the end-all be-all because, you know, actually, technically... It's, I guess they're not conversations of substance, but speed technically passes the Bechdel test. Yeah. However, you know, we just did an episode a couple weeks ago about Inglorious Bastards, which is one of both of our favorite movies, and mm. it does not pass the Bechdel test. Yeah. However, it does have two of the strongest female characters in, yeah. you know, the last decade or so, yeah. but they don't share screen time. And so it's like, does that doesn't mean that it's like not a, doesn't have like feminist things to say. And so I feel like you can use the Bechdel test as a jumping off point, but I think it shouldn't be the end all be all because there are yeah, movies definitely. with excellent female characters and just because they don't share screen time doesn't mean that the movie is sexist. And yeah, I think no, that's an important I, thing that people don't, don't, people don't take the intuitive leap all the way to the end of it. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think that, um, I think that if movies pass the Bechdel test, then that's great. But I think mm-hmm. that, we need to talk more about our female characters, about their arcs, and not just the fact that are they are they named and are they talking to another female character that's, you know, not about a man. It's about, are, do they have a well-rounded character? You know, do they have a good arc? Is that arc satisfactory? You know, right. and I think that there's a, there's a new test that I think came out um, in recent years based on um, the lead character, well, the lead female character in Pacific Rim, the Mako Mori test. Yeah which is more kind of along those lines of does basically did does she have a satisfactory arc did mm. she need a man to fulfill that arc you know and and obviously I think Mako Mori is is one of the greatest female characters in you know recent sort of science fiction and it pained me spoilers for Pacific Rim Uprising have you seen Pacific <laughs> Rim Uprising by the way I have I have but yes it, we were disappointed it pained me so much that they killed her off yeah. It actually upset me. I was like, she is the greatest character from the first movie, and you have killed her. And it's also such a, it's such a slap in the face to Rinko Kikuchi, who is so good. She's excellent. So and I was good. like, why, why would you have her as the action star in your first movie, and then put her in a suit, and kill her off in a helicopter? I yeah. mean, at least give her a dignified death where she's... You know, goes out fighting. fighting or something. Yes! Exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh, honestly, that I I really hated Pacific Rim Uprising <laughs> just for the fact that they <clears throat> killed off Makamori. And the sad thing was, I thought John Boyega was actually really good mm-hmm. in that movie, and I I actually really like John Boyega just generally. I think he's oh, great. Um, have you seen Attack the Block? Not yet. No, well, it's on my list. It's fantastic, and yes. it's I think it's the first movie that he did. It's outstanding i absolutely love it i think the creatures are great in it it's um it looks fantastic it's it's very typically british um it's obviously set in like a high-rise block in london it's obviously very specific to sort of those areas of london Mm -hmm. um and the characters are great it stars um the current doctor who uh jodie whittaker oh nice and and i mean john boyega it's it's his first role um I won't say anything about the character that he plays, but um, I, he's so great in that film. And it was like, you see him in that film and you're like, that that kid is destined for something big. And then a couple of years later, he got Star Wars and it's like, oh my God, you know, John Boyega yeah. is going somewhere. It feels very similar to, um, we watched the f- like the first season of Black Mirror well after it came out. 
but uh, Daniel Kaluuya is in season one. Oh, he's great. And I was watching that, and it was before Get Out came out, and I was like, this guy is going places. And then they, like, Get Out came out, and I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, this guy's going places, and now he's been in Widows and, like, all kind and you know, Avengers and stuff, and I'm just like, Daniel Kaluuya is so good. I just love you know, it. <laughs> do you know what? Just on Daniel Kaluuya, and I know we're going off on a tangent again, and I'm really sorry, everyone, <laughs> but this this is going to happen. I'm sorry. Um, Daniel Kaluuya was in a really great BBC TV show that it was a bit infamous here because it came out. It was absolutely outstanding. Like, it's a supernatural TV show called The Fades, and it also stars, oh, the actor's name escapes me, but the guy who plays Fitz in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Oh, um, sure. It's like Ian DeCoster or something yeah, like that? Yeah. yeah. So it stars him and uh, Daniel Kaluuya. And it's like a supernatural TV show. It's, um, I think, it, I can't remember the, exactly the award it won, but it won, it basically won a massive TV award over here and then it got cancelled. Oh, man. And everyone was like, why have you cancelled The Fades? It's it's honestly wonderful. It's it's nothing like anything that I'd ever seen kind of up to that point. Um, I would highly recommend if anyone is looking for a TV show. Um, it's uh, quite a few years old. It's only got one season, so it's not very long, but it's called The Fades. And It's got it's... so many people in it. I'm looking it up right now. It's got da- Natalie Dormer, who yep. played Marjorie on Game of Thrones. It's got Tom yep. Ellis, who plays Lucifer. It's got yep. Joe Dempsey, who played Gendry on Game of Thrones. Yep. It's brilliant. Honestly, it's absolutely outstanding. And the fact that the BBC cancelled it, just as it won, I can't remember the award. I, it, um, the, the award it won escaped me, but it was one of the big biggest awards of the year. It a won. BAFTA? It won a BAFTA. BAFTA, BAFTA. There you go. It won a BAFTA and then they cancelled it. And it's like, but why? It's just won a BAFTA. It's a BAFTA award winning show. <laughs> why would you cancel it? Um, but anyway, um, yeah. So, Back to speed. Let's talk about Jeff Daniels. <laughs> yes. We haven't even talked about Jeff Daniels. Look, oh I was going to say, we're going to go off on tangents because there's so many character actors in this movie that we haven't even talked about yet. So yeah. it's like, they're, we're going to go off on tangents. But the, yeah. the, main, the main thrust of the episode is speed, but we're going to talk about lots of other stuff. <laughs> yeah. So I, I actually, I think I made a point like several episodes ago of one of my episodes being the longest episode ever. And then it turned out to be the shortest. And I oh, was no. a bit embarrassed. <laughs> But um, but I can safely say this is going to be the longest episode ever. So <laughs> that's great. Um, so yeah, Jeff Daniels. Um, obviously, I won't say much about Jeff Daniels uh, because I want to actually get into Speed at some point. But uh, he obviously plays Harry Temple. Um, the same year that this came out, he played another famous Harry. Uh, he was <laughs> Harry Dunn in Dumb and Dumber, uh, which is a film that I genuinely... I, I'm probably going to get a lot of hate for this but i don't have a lot of time for dumb and dumber i think it's okay but i don't think it's like the greatest comedy ever made which a lot of people do um but well uh, and speaking as the resident dumb american i will admit (laughs) to never having seen it and i think i'm too old now like i don't think it would hit me the right way so i don't have plans to ever watch it in my life i think because it's a very kind of typical sort of of that time because it's like a Farrelly Brothers movie and Mm -hmm. the Farrelly Brothers were obviously known for their kind of slapstick sort of gross out humor and to be honest the only film of theirs that I really really loved was There's Something About Mary so I haven't seen that either 
Really? I'm not a, I'm really not, I'm not a fan of that kind of comedy. And it was like, I was too young when those things came out. So I wasn't able to see them at the time. And then by the time I was old enough to see them, I had no interest. And so I've just never, I'm 33 now. I don't know that there's a time for me anymore to watch There's Something About Mary. I kind of feel like, it, again, it's, it's, it's a bit of its time. Yeah. In a sense that, I don't, I don't know. I've not seen it in such a long time. But I kind of feel like because obviously, you know, Cameron Diaz is literally the most beautiful woman in the world and she's essentially being stalked by yeah. all of these different men. I kind of feel like it might not kind of come across very well nowadays. No, um, I'm sure not. But yeah, so I kind of feel like if you watched it now, you might just completely hate it. Yeah, and and but, that's the thing is I don't want to be I don't want to be that person at the party who's like that movie's bad and so are you. <laughs> so it's like I would rather just be like, no, I've never seen it. I know all the funny parts. It's fine. I yeah. get it. I mean the funny parts are, are reasonably funny, but, you know, the funniest part is, you know, we gets his thing trapped in a zip. I mean, that's <laughs> that's the level of humour we're talking about. So, um, but yeah, that I that's very similar for Dumb and Dumber. It's it's that sort of of stupid humour. And yeah. and to be honest, I mean, I I don't know. I guess if I'm thinking of like comedy films from that sort of era, I'd much prefer like something like Wayne's World or oh, totally. You know, um, and because I, that, I... that humor is about the, the humor is about the jokes. It's not about like exactly. It's not gross yeah. out humor. It's about the joke. Yeah, and it's yeah. also very Canadian. Where like the Farrelly brothers, I think, are from California, so it's yeah. way different. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's. I wouldn't say that Dumb and Dumber. Jeff Daniels is my favorite Jeff Daniels. I would say that probably Speed Jeff Daniels is my favorite Jeff Daniels, but Ooh, um... I don't know. That's a tough one for me because it's I'm I'm thinking of like well, I guess he's pretty shit in terms of endearment. So I guess it's not my favorite Jeff Daniels, but there's like Fly Away Home Jeff Daniels, there's Newsroom Jeff Daniels. There's so much Jeff Daniels to choose from. <laughs> I mean, Fly Away Home Jeff Daniels is yeah, he is quite good in that. Yeah. Actually. I love Jeff um... Daniels. He's one of my favorites. I think he's great all the time. Yeah, he is he is pretty much a, a kind of quality over quantity kind of guy, but yeah. not Dumb and Dumber or the second Dumb and Dumber, which, to be fair, I never watched anyway, because I was like, <laughs> I'm not watching another Dumb and Dumber movie. You think I'm dumb? No, Oh my God, you. I'm not paying for that. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so let's, so let's move on. Uh, we won't talk, there, there's obviously loads of, of people in the cast who are, you know, character actors and... Um, other people we can we can talk about them sort of when we talk about the movie sort of as a whole oh definitely um so it was directed by uh yander bont Mm -hmm. who was the cinematographer for die hard which is like one of the greatest movies ever made um it was his directorial debut um interestingly and i know we've talked about buffy a little bit but we're going to talk about a little bit of buffy again because it was written by graham yost um but um he claims that 98.9% of the dialogue was rewritten by one Joss Whedon. Yep. Uh, Joss Whedon remains uncredited on this movie um, because I believe of uh, Writers Guild of America, of, of, of the rules that they have in place mm-hmm. um, as to who gets credited and who does not. But uh, Yoss's original script was essentially Die Hard on a Bus. Um, and... In this version of the script, all the scenes took place on the bus. So the whole kind of two-hour movie was on a bus. 
Um, and it was pitched to Paramount and they passed on it because they were like, well, an audience isn't going to want to see two hours of Die Hard on a bus. I mean, <laughs> I really like Die Hard, but I kind of really like it because it's not just like in one room of like Nakatomi Plaza. It's like the whole the whole the building, whole, the yeah. Floor. Yeah. So, um, so then the idea was mooted to 20th Century Fox and they basically agreed to do it as long as there were other scenes that weren't on a bus. So it was actually uh, Yanderbont, the director, who suggested the elevator scene because he had an experience with um, an elevator. I'm calling it an elevator, by the way, but we would call it a lift. A lift, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I purposefully called it an elevator because, obviously, I'm talking to you and I didn't know if you knew what a lift was. <laughs> I do. I, so I do watch a lot of British TV and movies and stuff. So I, oh, for a really long time time in my life my parents were very open with letting me watch lots of things and read whatever I wanted so I do I know things that I'll say in common conversation here in America and people be like what are you talking about and I'm like that's not universal so I like (laughs) I'm there I'm there with it okay oh no that's really cool it's just that because it was kind of the other way for me because when I was growing up, we had a lot of American TV shows right. on in the house. Yeah. So it was a lot of like Saved by the Bell, um, <laughs> The Cosby Show. Obviously, let's not talk about Cosby Show. Not anymore. But, um, Fresh Prince. Yeah. Um, so when I was younger, I used to say like a lot of American words. And my mum used to hate it because she was <laughs> like, that's not the right way to say it. <laughs> you know, I think for a long time, I used to say aluminum instead of aluminium because obviously we say aluminium. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, I, my my mother was never very happy with the American influence in Hilarious. our household. Hilarious. Um, so uh, where were we? I I don't even remember. Um, oh, elevators. Yes. Um, so so Joss Whedon was brought in to help with the dialogue and specifically Jack's character. Um, once Keanu Reeves was attached, because they wanted, I think he was kind of originally a bit of a goofball. And they kind of wanted to rewrite it so that he would be, like, a bit more kind of stoic, maybe. Like an action Um, star? Yeah, a little bit more of, like, a cop. Like, he wants to do the right thing, you know, he wants to help these people. He'll, you know, throw in a one-liner here or now, which he does quite a lot. Mm -hmm. And that's very typical Joss Whedon. Um, But, but yeah, so, and, and Whedon also introduced... Uh, spoiler alert for anyone who's uh, not seen Speed, but he also introduced the death of Harry. Um, because up until that point, uh, Graham Yost's original script, Harry was actually the villain. Um, oh. Yeah. Gross. He was going to be the villain. So he was going to be the actual guy behind the bomb. I and, don't like that. Um, Howard Payne didn't exist. Um, and actually, they kind of thought the same as you, that this sounds terrible. Yeah, um, We... Harry was then rewritten to be a completely innocent um, person uh, who was obviously still Jack's partner, still, you know, helped Jack out with the crime, but unfortunately got caught up in uh, Payne's deranged um, bomb in his house. Who puts a bomb in your own house? I mean, anyway. um, (laughs) But he's obviously one step ahead every single time. And um, yeah, so, but originally Harry was going to be the bad guy, which I think would have been atrocious yeah real <laughs> bad real real bad yeah so i'm really glad that they they changed that um so obviously i realized that we're 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 
quite long but we're going to talk about speed now because this is kind of why we're here we're an hour in and now we're going to talk about speed um but um i just i guess i just kind of wanted to firstly kind of say what what are your overall kind of do you remember watching speed for the first time and do you remember how it made you feel when you first watched it i don't think i remember the first time i watched it this is definitely a movie that i've seen over a dozen times probably like into the 20s and 30s it's one of those ones that whenever it's on tv we just kind of watch it um but i i like action movies more than will does and so and i really like this genre like or this time period for action movies because like we were talking about with dracula it's very everything's very practical there's, yeah. you know, because it was before computer effects were, like, a big thing. And so it's, like, this and the Terminator movies and the early Terminator movie, which even had some effects, but still a lot of it's practical. And then um, Die Hard, like we talked about. It's, like, these kind of action movies are so much fun for me. And also, they come from a time in movie making where budgets didn't need to be $200 million for an action movie. And... Yeah. I, like, miss that simple time where, like, movies like this don't get made anymore because it's too simple of an idea. Yeah. And it bums me out. And so this is, like, probably my favorite era of action movies is, like, the early to mid-90s. I, there's just something about them that every time I watch them again, they're so charming. Yeah, I mean, I I kind I completely agree. I mean, obviously, I agree with practical effects. I think this movie is... The effects are so great. Um, obviously, all the explosions mm-hmm. are—I uh, mean, they're massive. They're not small explosions; they are huge. Yeah. And and the, just the the practical stunts and everything—you um, know—it's—it just—it still astonishes me to this day that not this this movie was made for thirty million dollars, and that's that's nothing. Like, no, that's like don't... that's like an indie movie budget at this point yeah. at this point in time, and it's so it's like. For this movie to be still so much in the cultural consciousness, you know, what is it, 25 years later? That's kind of insane. And it's, like, because it launched two, like, huge careers, even though Keanu Reeves had been doing stuff beforehand, but it, like, this launched him into a different stratosphere, and it launched Sandra Bullock, and so it's sort of very interesting the way the way the movie-making business has changed. And in some ways, it's really for the better, because with streaming and everything, I think more small things are able to get to a wider audience. But it's also, I miss these type of movies. Where I want to say the last one, the last movie that came out that's the most like this is Edge of Tomorrow with Tom Cruise and oh, Emily Blunt. I love that. Because that's like a, that was like a pretty medium budget at the time. You know, medium for a Tom Cruise movie probably. But that is such a solid movie and such a good plot and such good acting and it's like it really that movie made me feel like speed you know like it was just very the same sensibilities i guess yeah oh i i cannot underestimate how much i love edge of tomorrow it's excellent i think it's and it it pains me actually that that movie didn't do so well Mm -hmm. um because i mean you've got tom cruise in the movie mm-hmm. and tom cruise is someone who i have a bit of a contentious relationship with tom oh cruise. same the scientology um, is hard to get past 
Mm, yeah, I mean, sort of taking away sort of his personal life, which I, yeah, I don't understand all of that. But his choice of movies, mm-hmm. I kind of feel like a lot of the time, Tom Cruise is just playing Tom Cruise. And yes. it's, it's like he's become the character that he's playing. And pretty much in every movie that stars Tom Cruise, apart from a couple of exceptions, like I think he's, I think Tom Cruise is great when he's playing against type. I think yeah. he's great in Interview with a Vampire. Oh, because yes. <laughs> that movie, it was something that you would think, well, Tom Cruise will never do that. Mm-hmm. He, he, will, he won't be a good listener. And even Anne Rice said, I don't like the fact that Tom Cruise has been cast. He's going to be rubbish. And she had to apologise yep. after she saw the movie because he was so good. And I like the Mission Impossible movies, but I, I kind of feel like he knows what he can do. So he knows that he can be the action star. He can do the stunts. He can run from building to building. And, you know, overall, I think he, he plays to his strengths. But I like Tom Cruise when he doesn't play to his strengths. I like Tom Cruise to stretch himself. And Edge of Tomorrow, I think, is my favourite Tom Cruise. I was going to say, he. I've read an interview where he specifically chose that role because it was against type. Because he'd never... Yeah. It had been so long since he played somebody who wasn't good at their job. Yeah. And so it's like, and that's my, that's like my favorite part. Yeah. But even like, I don't know if you've seen Tropic Thunder. Yes. I think it, I have. Yeah. Even that, his role in Tropic Thunder is one of my favorite things about Tropic Thunder. Uh-huh. And the fact that he's like this balding, fat, middle-aged guy who's like barking <laughs> orders and like, dancing to i can't even remember what the song is and like grinding down low to this song and i'm like this is amazing i want more of this tom cruise like (laughs) when when he plays against type he does so well and i'm like tom like do yourself a favor like just choose choose roles that stretch you because he he's good he's he's great in edge of tomorrow Mm -hmm. i think he's wonderful and i think emily blunt is i i love her I genuinely love her. Everybody like, does. I, <laughs> She's the best. I feel, I just, I feel like if, like her and John Krasinski, I just, I, I just want to live with them. I want, I want to like share my life with both of them because I love her. I love him. Mm-hmm. I love them together. I love them apart. Um, uh, Emily Blunt, I think is, I think she's the most wonderful thing that Britain has ever done. I was going to say, I also, <laughs> for for an American, I have a pretty, I'm pretty confident that of the people that I know, I've liked her longer than all of them. Because before The Devil Wears Prada came out, when I was in college, I was quite the movie snob. I would go to the art house cinema like every weekend and see whatever they were playing. And they showed this movie called My Summer of Love, which was a British movie. And... I, so I've been a fan of her since I saw that movie, and I've followed her since I saw that movie, which came out before The Devil Wears Prada. So See, I've not even seen that. That's like a nice, so. I've got a nice little, you know, brushing my shoulder off where I'm like, yeah, <laughs> oh, you like The Devil Wears Prada? <laughs> okay, talk to me later. Oh my god, I think you've just cemented yourself as literally <laughs> Emily Blunt's biggest fan. I do, I uh, love her, I love her in everything I've seen her in. I haven't seen everything she's done, but I just she's luminous i just love her uh, i think yeah i've not seen um the young victoria um i have that's what i ah. see that's one that i really want to because i love period drama mm-hmm. and i'm like period drama and emily blunt i'm like that is for me yeah she's um, very good in it yeah i yeah i think she's 
she's the best thing in Edge of Tomorrow by far. I mean, Tom Cruise is great, but she's also great. The story's great. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Edge of Tomorrow. I can completely understand why you'd have that kind of. Um, you'd think kind of the same sort of thing, like how you feel about Speed, because when whenever I watch Speed, I've seen it quite a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember, so I don't remember specifically watching it when I was younger, um, but I, I remember loving it, mm-hmm. like co- consistently loving it. And I, every single time I watch it, I feel like I'm on the edge of my seat every single time. And it's, it's the most bizarre experience because I know what's going to happen. Like I, I know this movie, I know what they're going to say and I know what's going to happen. I know that, you know, Harry's going to walk into the house and the, bomb's gonna go off you know I, I, every I know single all time things. every single and, time and, you're like carrie don't go in the house like it's, i know it's cool and i was i watched it with my husband last night and i was i like had to pull up something on my phone to look at it because i was like I, I hate this part it makes me so sad because and it's it, it's very rare that a movie will do <clears> that because once you've seen a movie you're kind of like well i know the plot you right know, i know the twist i know what's going to happen now so it's it's not going to surprise me but speed has this has this energy about it and it has this kind of way of sucking you right in so it's like it feels like you're watching it again for the first time and i don't know how it does that (laughs) because i mean it is a pretty kind of standard action movie in a sense that you know the movie starts you're introduced to um your villain Mm -hmm. essentially and and but it, it seems to kind of grab your attention straight away and it it doesn't kind of relent it's just like consistently like bang 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 on the screen like this is happening this is happening and you just yeah. feel fixed yeah i think part of it is um because of yon debant because he was a cinematographer so i think he yeah. knows how to frame a movie so that it looks right he knows how to you know get from one place to the next properly he knows how to really make it look like it needs to look and then i think part of it is honestly joss whedon the quippy dialogue can yeah. take you through so much and can can make you feel like you're running at a clip even if things are going a little slower than you think they are mm-hmm. i think both those things were especially working in tandem i think are really good and then there's the fact that honestly the story is pretty straightforward like there's yeah. nothing twisty and weird you like you're coming to all the information when you need to come to it it's just it's it's a masterfully made action movie Especially mm. in this day and age where so many action movies are super twisty and they don't need to be. And it's sort of like, mm. I'm I'm so tired of going to movies where there's a twist. I just want to watch a friggin' movie sometimes, you know? I just yeah. I just want to go and get lost in, like, like, a dumb, good action movie. And like I said, they don't really do that anymore. So this is always so refreshing to go back and watch. Yeah. And I... I kind of feel like as well with a lot of action movies you tend you tend to find that they'll put random action scenes in for no reason yeah. and it's like oh the audience might be getting a bit bored now let's just blow something up you right. know and it's like but with speed you kind of feel like every everything that happens is kind of warranted you know you you kind of get the um you know let if if we got well we'll go through the plot sort of plot Plot points, kind of thing, and <laughs> um, we can we can talk about specific things that happen in certain scenes. But but obviously, I, I kind of feel like you know that when you've got the titles and it's kind of panning down the building, mm-hmm. because I remember watching that first, going, "What is that?" Yeah. It's like you're just like panning down, panning down, panning down, and it's like, but it's so effective because it 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 highlights firstly kind of 
how big this building is you know that it, it's a really tall building because it's kind of panning down each floor sort of right the way to like basement level um and it it does a really good job of like ramping up the tension just kind of from that one kind of panning shot all the way down because you're kind of going lower and lower and you realize that you're going lower and it's like but why are we going lower like what's and like then what's you, actually happening you can't you can't decide what's actually happening when you're yeah. until you actually get the people in the elevator and you're like uh-oh that doesn't seem yeah. good and like after Payne stabs the security guard with the screwdriver which is always disgusting oh it's horrible <laughs> you're it's, like oh these people in the elevator are not going to be okay yeah and 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 then you kind of realize like what's going on like oh you know this guy is actually our villain and mm-hmm. he's he's so ruthless he's willing to you know kill an innocent security guard just so that he can obviously i mean i'm i don't think we need to talk about how he got the explosives on the elevator um i don't think we need to go there no but the the, the fact that he has he's the movie makes it quite clear that this is a man who is incredibly smart. Oh, yeah. And always one step ahead of Jack and all knows, can pretty much predict what's going to happen. And that's, unfortunately, how Harry meets his end is that he knows that they're going to find out who he is mm-hmm. and he knows they're going to go to the house. Um, but the, the, the film does a great job sort of in these kind of first opening minutes of really kind of basically ramping up the tension mm-hmm. and, and, and introducing this person and it's clear from from the get go that he's our bad guy. Um, and I I really like. I think the the whole scenes with the elevator itself, sort of when it actually blows, mm-hmm. frightens the actual life out of me because <laughs> I don't like going. I'm I'm one of these people because you know I like to I like to walk places. I've got a Fitbit, so I like to collect my steps. Sure. So I'm I'm one of these people. If I'm going up a building, I'll use the stairs because to the 33rd floor well i mean i i live in the middle of england we don't really have that's that's true and this is like a los angeles high rise yeah it makes sense exactly but i mean obviously if if i was going up a massive building like this i probably would have to but Mm -hmm. generally i i will always choose to take the stairs purely because i i don't like the idea of being trapped in a box that's going up and down um and it might be this movie that actually has kind of put this in my head um i'm not sure but yeah the the whole kind of you know when it does actually it does actually blow and and they they fall it it just it it gives me genuine fear yeah same until the kind of emergency breaks um you know come into force it it gives me such fear and (laughs) and and genuinely, even like talking about it right now, it's it's kind of bringing it all back. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of anxiety in that opening elevator scene because not only is the elevator full, it's full of people who you get the sense don't all like each other, which is another you know level of anxiety. And then it starts falling, yeah. which I don't like falling. I can't go on flume rides at theme parks. Me neither. It's very so I don't like falling. I like free falling. I don't like enclosed spaces. I don't like people. I don't like. So there's like, I, you were gonna say, I don't like people. <laughs> there's like four layers of anxiety every time the scene yeah. comes on. Cause you're like, there's yeah. so many parts of this that I hate, you know, I don't like going to work. So that's another one, you know, they're all on their way to work. <laughs> there's yeah, there's a lot and it. Yeah. And you do feel it. It does get very visceral. The feeling of yeah. the fear and the anxiety of these people in the elevator. Yeah. And, and, <clears throat> and I think it does, it does do a great job of, of like say building up that tension and, mm-hmm. and obviously introducing our our hero um 
with sort of a, a wonderful kind of slow motion, which I still don't understand why they do the slow motion kind of car jumping over a hill, but <laughs> it's cool. I, I dig it. Um, but yeah, I, I really love the, the kind of introduction of them. And I love the banter between Jack and Harry. Yep. Um, and when they're having like a meeting about what, what are they going to do to get these people out? And um, and Jack and obviously this is where Joss Whedon is just like on fire because it's just like quip, of quip. course. And and it's 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 dynamite stuff. And then obviously as part of that we get the kind of pop quiz hotshot introduction sort of from Harry and and they talk about um, this, I think this is when they talk about what the hostage yep. situation shoot and, the hostage and, and and Jack's just like really blasé and like yeah shoot the hostage and it's like well if you shoot the hostage then. He's he hasn't got any leverage, yeah. and therefore he's got nowhere to go. And kind of, at the time, I kind I remember watching it the first time and thinking he's a madman. <laughs> Why would he shoot an innocent hostage? Well, I mean, I don't but, think I don't think the implication is kill the hostage. I think no, I know it's like but, it's what he does to Harry, like shoot the hostage in the leg, so he can't yeah. keep he can't keep his leverage. Yeah, which but, is smart, but also pretty cold blooded. It is, that's the thing. It is actually a really smart thing. But on outwardly, it does kind of feel a little bit, well, that's kind of the wrong thing to do. Is, yeah. You know, your hostage is innocent. But but actually, if you think about it, it is the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you take away the uh, perpetrator's leverage. You, you make it so that they can't use that hostage. And so then you manage to, to obviously catch them, um, which is sound. Um, and it, it is actually what happens with with Harry, and and I think that's really good because I kind of feel like that it it brings that conversation full circle, and I, I kind of like it when movies pay things off. Oh, absolutely! In and but pay them off in quick succession because sometimes if you if a character says or does something at the start of the film and then it pays it off right at the end, and I had to sit there for two hours right. waiting for it to be paid off, I get a little bit bored. So I kind of like that they they do that. <laughs> sort of throughout the film yeah i agree with the whole kind of yeah i agree because he pays it off right away where he when he shoots harry in the leg but then it also still calls back at the end exactly when dennis hopper is like you're not going to shoot this hostage are you and it's like no he's definitely not but it's such a good it's still such a good callback when he does it again at the end you know you're still are you can tell that harry is considering it or not harry sorry um jack you can tell that jack considers shooting annie in the leg for a minute but then he's mm. like, eh, this probably shouldn't do that. Yeah. Like, it's and, not, like um, not going to work twice. No, but but also I kind of like that because because they've kind of, they paid it back early, mm-hmm. it's it's a bit more kind of fresh in your memory because they've already kind of done it. So it, it for someone like me, I've got an attention span of, you know, a small insect. So <laughs> the, the fact that they, they also pay it off at the end and, and the fact that he can't actually go through with it, 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 for me it kind of adds a bit more gravitas to the situation because he could quite easily shoot harry in the leg like he had no qualms about it but he's been through everything up to that point with annie and he he can't do it the one thing that he thought was so easy to do just shoot the hostage he can't do right and i really like that about jack at the end um so essentially we have the the scene with the elevator um they manage eventually to uh unscrew an access panel to get the um to get them out um which again that scene where the 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 elevators kind of slowly kind of coming down Mm -hmm. each time they're pulling someone out oh my god it's it's 
It's literally edge of your seat stuff. Like I'm still, I still sit here and I'm like, oh my god, are they going to get that final lady out? And it's like I know they are. I know it's like, <laughs> are, are, is she going to lose both her legs? Like it's I know, awful. It's so close. <laughs> and yeah, it's it's so good that it can still instill that that fear and anxiety yeah. in you. Just watching it for like two hundredth time, um, but essentially um, they they don't catch pain. They think he's blown himself up, which you would kind of think, considering he had a vest on with all of the bombs, that he probably would have blown himself up. Right. But um, but no, uh, because they they're getting their medals for bravery, um, and um, they think he's dead, but he's not dead. <laughs> uh, he's alive, and he's watching it on TV. Um, because that will also be called back later because he watches a lot of stuff on TV. Yes, he does. Uh, <laughs> he is one so, of the most TV watchingest villains in an action movie. He really is. I love the fact as well that he's got like, I think he's, he's got so many TVs and I'm like, and they're the old sort of style, the tiny little CRT monitors yeah. that everyone used to have in the 90s. And, and nowadays, obviously with our, you know, plasma flat screens, we can't, I always kind of feel a little like, how do we fit TVs in our houses? Because I have they no were idea. So big. They would go like three feet off the wall. Like that, you know how much space you lost with your three feet of TV. I know it's crazy. And now we're like, oh well, you know, do we want a sixty-five inch flat screen <laughs> or a seventy-five inch flat screen? And I'm like, Ugh. it's crazy. It's crazy how technology changes. Anyway, um, so the the thing that one of the things that I really like about this film is the interaction that we get sort of after they've got their medals and then we have kind of jack just sort of going to sort of a coffee house to just pick up some coffee on his way to work you know just just a normal average day happens to meet a friend of his who's a bus driver has Mm -hmm. a bit of a chat and i because it kind of lulls you into this false sense of security that okay, you know, we know that the guy's still out there, but everything's fine. Like, just having a nice conversation. And, yeah, then this bus explodes. And you're kind of a bit like, what? What just happened? And because it's so, it's so ruthless. And I think I'm going to mention that word a lot because I kind of can't think of another word that would satisfactorily describe Howard Payne other than ruthless yeah he's Um, very unconcerned despicable (laughs) yeah unconcerned with the collateral damage too like he yeah he only is trying to like get one over on on Jack he doesn't really care about the innocent bystanders no he really doesn't and it's in a way it's lucky that that bus was empty I mean obviously it had the driver yeah um on the bus um but otherwise there was no one else around because you would think in LA um at that sort of time of the morning, because I think it's in the movie. I think it's maybe I don't know eight a.m. or something around that time. It's like rush hour, would, yeah, yeah, sort of around that time. You would think that that bus would be packed. Yeah, um, I would say that is that to me is honestly the least realistic part of this movie is that they don't have to go below fifty on the freeway in Los yeah. Angeles. Like that doesn't make sense to me. Where I was in this actually this time watching it was the first time I really thought about it where I was like, they are cruising the entire time. And that yeah. is unlikely at any time in Los Angeles, much less yeah. rush hour. Yeah. I've um I excuse me, I've been to Los Angeles and um I remember what the traffic was like and 
I, I absolutely love the city of Los Angeles. Um, I didn't see much of it because it's, as I realised, because I was like, I'm going to go to LA, you know, and, and as part of my holiday. Mm-hmm. And then I realised LA is actually, you know, 20 times the size of London or something ridiculous. Yeah, it's huge. It's and, very sprawling. Yeah. And you, you literally, you go to one or two places in LA or, you know, the surrounding sort of cities and towns um and so like anaheim i went to anaheim mm-hmm. i spent a lot of time in anaheim but obviously disneyland um <laughs> but and um but yeah other than that and obviously i went to hollywood but so the parts of la that i saw are probably you know not really the same mm-hmm. but i went on the freeway sort of you know traveling around and it was atrocious <laughs> The traffic was horrendous. And bear in mind, this was like, you know, uh, I think I went in 2010. Yeah. Yeah, 2010. And so obviously, sometime after this, so you'd imagine that the population is a lot bigger now. Oh, yeah. There's going to be more traffic on the roads. There's going to be more roads. And and I was like, yeah, this is not my experience (laughs) of traffic in LA. Going a solid Um, 50 the whole time. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think I got higher than 20. (laughs) But... You know, I'm sure that if I was in, like, a bus with a bomb, I'm sure I would have made sure that I was yeah, going no, above I mean, 50 they, and just, like, Annie, ramming Annie people out of the way. Annie does go around the obstacles very well. I mean, she, she's an excellent driver. And I think, because I read somewhere that Sandra Bullock actually took a bus driving test yeah. and passed it. Yep. Um, so she's she's not driving the bus. They had, a, like, a stunt driver who was, I think he was on the top of the bus. Oh, okay. Or sort of far behind her so he couldn't be seen but so they had like a proper stunt driver nice but she she did do some of the driving um and uh, yeah she she has her bus driving license so you never know you might pop on the <laughs> i don't know eighteen fourteen to santa barbara and <laughs> you might see sandra bullock at the wheel and go oh, hi um you never know um so yeah it the the thing with that first bus is it it kind of makes you realize that this this guy is is kind of the real deal mm-hmm. in a sense that he he is going to do whatever he can now he knows <clears throat> who jack is he's going to make his point and and then and then the phone rings and you're a little bit like oh my god they have pay phones it's like what's a pay phone <laughs> and then you realize that this isn't the 90s and there were pay phones everywhere back then um not so much now um and yeah, then you realise you could ring a payphone once upon a time and someone could answer. And um, yeah, the, the clever thing about Howard Payne is that he's all he's there. He's kind of there in the vicinity. He knows what's going on. He can see. Mm-hmm. We find out later that he has eyes on the situation. So he knows what's going on. So he knows that Jack's there. He knows that he's going to be able to pick up the phone. And, um, and yeah, then he tells him about there's a bomb on another bus and jack should go and find that bus and um yeah otherwise it's gonna explode just like the first bus so jack gets into his car leaves his coffee on the roof i mean jack come on why would you leave your coffee drink your coffee you need the coffee nobody does and also i thought it was hilarious that i I didn't realize until i was reading the trivia and you're the the you know show notes that you sent me but he 
he's driving a white Bronco. It's a 68 Bronco, so it's not new, but he's driving a white Bronco and it's like the footage is like identical from the OJ chase, which happened the week after this yeah. movie came out. It's incredible. It's I had like, no it's, idea. It's like life imitating art. Yeah. It's absolutely incredible that a week after this came out, the police were chasing OJ Simpson on the same freeway. The yeah. Obviously, maybe he's seen speed and he, yeah. <laughs> he thinks, oh, I'm just going to, you know, go for a little jolly um, in, in my car to get away from the police. Yep. Um, but the Jack kind of getting onto the freeway to to because he realizes where the bus is and he realizes that he needs to get on the bus um he he tries to get the bus up in traffic because at that point the bus hasn't hit 50 yeah um, and it's that's again so. one of those moments where it's like you you as the viewer are like oh my god just just don't go faster just listen to him just stop just stop the bus because if you yeah. just stop the bus maybe you'll be okay because obviously he's in plain clothes yeah but if he was in a police officer's uniform, they would have stopped it yeah. straight away. So the fact that he's in plain clothes, he has a badge, but he obviously they can't. He's you know trying to get on. I I think what was really interesting is um, obviously the scenes where he's obviously running to the bus to try and get on it, and he he kind of bashes his hand mm-hmm. on the glass and it shatters. That was actually accidental. Like they didn't. Keanu Reeves wasn't supposed to do that. Right. He hit it so hard that it. It ended up kind of cracking the glass, but they kept it in because it looked so good. It looked great, uh, and it also was the, like, oh, Keanu Reeves is stronger than I thought. <laughs> I mean, he's he's a hunk, hunk of burning love. He is, he's, so, he's so fit in this movie, too. And I, like, it's one of those things I didn't really think about when I was younger, but I was, like, watching it with that eye last night, and I was like, his arms are pretty good. Pretty good arms. He's he's delightful specimen of a man. Yep. Even now. And even now. John Wick. Especially now. John Wick is so good looking. I mean, I know. The thing is, is I kind of feel like with Keanu is that he's, I think he's 50. I think I'm right in thinking that he's 50. I think he's 54. Okay. Okay. I mean, so he's a little bit older. Um, but I, I kind of, that doesn't really, like, it doesn't bother me no it's like not at it's all because i mean <laughs> the fact that he he doesn't look older i mean i kind of feel like um you know he and, and paul rudd they've obviously drank some secret elixir somewhere they are wonderful human beings yeah. just generally and they look nice um i was gonna and, say that's what it is it's that they mind their business and they stay yeah. in their lane and they don't talk smack about anybody and they're just yeah. good people they are just I think they are just good people and, and Paul Rudd is someone who I've I've just loved completely since Clueless. Um and I will continue to love until my dying breath. Yep. And I kind of feel the same about Keanu Reeves, is that he's been in my life for so long. Um I I think he's I think he's just phenomenal and he comes across as such an he comes across as he just wants to act, mm-hmm. you know. He doesn't. He doesn't want to be a celebrity. He doesn't want to be papped. He just. He just wants to do a couple of films, have a nice life, and be nice to people. And I and, and I love this resurgence he's having right now too, because he's always been working, but he with like John Wick, he's having like a big career resurgence, and I love it. It's he deserves it. He definitely you know, deserves you, it. You you look back. I mean, he's. To be fair, he's not had a particularly... You can't say that his his career has been, over. you know, completely 
positive in no. the sense of the roles that he's picked. He's he's done a couple of duffers. Um, <laughs> but I think that what what he brings to films is 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 something that I kind of feel like you you really struggle to kind of put your finger on exactly what he does. But mm-hmm. it's in this I I mean I, I obviously love that he's super hot and <laughs> super attractive and very good looking but i also and i realize they're all the same thing, those are the same but, yeah <laughs> but i also love the fact that he he kind of takes these little moments to look after people and i know it's obviously the character and it's not really him and i, I get that but i just little things like he asks he always asks annie if she's okay yeah. and how she's doing and and I kind of feel like it would be so easy for someone to write a script um, and sort of have this leading action man who's buff and, you know, good looking and takes charge and all of that. And just like has embarking orders at people. And But I kind of like that with someone like Keanu, you do have that sensitivity kind of inbuilt. Yeah. And you you genuinely kind of feel that with Jack, that when he's... When Annie hits her head and he kind of takes his shirt and tries to put, you know, pressure on it because it's bleeding and that that's something that he would do. I totally and it's agree. it's not just a character thing. I totally agree. I love, I also think their chemistry is some of the best action movie chemistry oh, that's so ever good. existed. I think they're so good together. It's, it, and obviously he wasn't unknown, but it, they have... They have the kind of chemistry of two unknowns in their first big movie together. You know what it feels like? It really feels like um, Orlando Bloom and Kira Knightley in the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Yeah, where yeah, they I both can get that. were yeah. like very like she was pretty much brand new. She was like seventeen when they were filming that movie, and he had mm. only been in Lord of the Rings, but he was unrecognizable from that. And the two of mm. them in that movie, you can tell that they're both just like super young, super green, and they're like, "This could go either way. Let's make the most of it." And I, that's what this chemistry feels like to me too. It just feels very, it's it's very real. You can tell that you know they liked each other behind the scenes and like backstage and stuff. And I just they they've got that special it something and we talk about chemistry a lot on our show because a lot of people discount it and they're like they're just actors and i'm like there have been good actors in movies together that were at chemistry you know yeah and like so i always love it when it's like the thing i always say is it feels like the screen catches fire when certain people are on on camera together and like this feels like that to me keanu reeves and sandra bullock have some of the best chemistry in this movie of you know any any action movie for sure yeah i think that their their chemistry is is just off the charts and and there was um i think at the sort of shortly after i think sandra bullock she confessed that she did have a massive crush on mm-hmm. keanu reeves but she kind of felt like it would be unprofessional yeah. to you know to put to to go ahead and sort of say that to him at the time so she just kind of left it as having a crush and then i think just recently he came out and said oh well you know i had a massive crush on her during the time and i kind of feel like this was such a missed opportunity for them to be together no i agree i agree they they are so perfect in this film and i kind of feel like they would have been so perfect in real life and yeah it it kind of feels like a bit of a missed a missed love affair but (laughs) 
I, 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 I have to kind of forgive the movie for that because it's sometimes it's like you know right place wrong time or wrong place right time yeah. and it's it's just one of those that you know sometimes you just can't tell that person that you like them and you just have to move on and and that's obviously what they did but it is a little bit sad <laughs> that they could have they could have been so happy together and I kind of feel like I mean they still could be I think that they. They should definitely, if they want, they should definitely do that. I think she's so, married know. again. Is she? I thought she I was. I thought she was single. Oh. Because she was married to a really awful guy. Jesse James, didn't yeah. She, didn't she, that, I thought they got divorced. They and, did. He, um, he cheated on her. They got divorced in 2010, it looks like. I thought she was with somebody again. Maybe not. Maybe I was wrong. I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it out there that I think that they should at least consider it. <laughs> Um, Come on, and, guys, know, make it work. <laughs> I mean, just you know, rekindle that magic. He <laughs> likes, he likes her. She likes him. They're both gorgeous. They're. I mean, I think, I think we should make it happen. I don't know how, but <laughs> Let's I think try. we should. We should speak. <laughs> we we should like speak to the gods or something and, <laughs> and make this happen. Um, because they they are so they are so fantastic, and and I do agree with you that chemistry on screen is something that you can't fake you know similarly to i know that they're actors and it's their job to make believe and pretend and and all of that but i'm sorry if you don't like someone that you're working Mm -hmm. with as an actor it does come across on screen i agree often um and there's been you know many famous examples of where people just have not gotten on um and it's it's kind of affected the movie in a little way um but I kind of feel like with with these guys, they the chemistry is is so, and I think I I posted it, um, a gif on on Twitter and it's it's just like just a just a little one about him looking at her yeah and I'm just like and I think I put something like get yourself a man yeah. who looks at you like Keanu Reeves looks at Sandra Bullock in Speed and it's like the way he looks at her is just like. Oh my god! I want them to live happily ever after. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'll say too. I don't normally uh, brown eyes on men to me are kind of boring for the most part. But he's got some good brown eyes. He he's got great eyes. I could look he's at those brown smile. eyes for a long time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do kind of feel like this is torn. Turkey. Uh, I can't even speak. I'm I'm so taken by it. <laughs> this is this is kind of turning into like the we really love Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock podcast, yeah. but I don't care yeah, because this, this movie is, we'll get back together just... again and do the lake house. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen it. Neither have I. Oh, okay. Well, maybe we should see it. Maybe we should see it and then get back together and be like, are they still good? Yes or no. <laughs> um, but you know, for just sort of talking about like Keanu Reeves and, and, and the character of Jack and everything, I, I thought it was quite interesting because um, Stephen Baldwin was the first choice because, but he turned it down because he thought it was too much like Die Hard, mm. which it kind of was because it was Die Hard on a bus. Um, aforementioned Tom Cruise was uh, considered, Tom Hanks, Wesley Snipes, Woody Harrelson. Um, but Jan de Bont actually I couldn't even wanted... imagine Tom Hanks. I'm sorry. I couldn't even imagine I it. mean, you, no, you really couldn't. It just, it's, Tom Hanks is like literally the nicest man ever. Yeah. I, I can't see him in any sort of role like this. So, yeah, I think that... I don't know. He probably would have been fantastic because he's Tom Hanks and he always is. But, yeah, I mean, Turner um, and Hooch is the... Because cl- he's a cop in that, but still, I can't... 
He's too silly. Yeah. And Keanu Reeves yeah, has like a... Yeah, that's more a comedy though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, Keanu so... Reeves has a gravitas, I guess, that Tom Hanks doesn't usually get to. Yeah, you you can you can feel like he could be an action star. And obviously he was... He is an action star because, you know, he's he's done all sorts of action movies. I mean, John Wick, yeah. obviously, um, is probably the most famous and most recent stuff he's done. But he's done, he's done loads of stuff. Obviously, you know, things like The Matrix. Yeah. I mean, iconic. Um... But, yeah, you couldn't imagine someone like Tom Hanks Mm-mm. even being considered. And apparently, Jan de Bont wanted someone who could be vulnerable. And, and, and most most importantly, someone who wasn't threatening to men. Yeah. Which I kind of find... I, I kind of find it a little bit laughable that that was the criteria. You know, we want someone who's not threatening to a man. But, well, um, it was right on the heels of all of the stuff in the 80s where all the action stars were like... Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone, oh, yeah, and so those yeah. those guys are are threatening to men because they're so much bigger and they're so much stronger and they're you know. But I, I can see how Keanu Reeves. It's like he's got kind of a you know he's got a very pretty face. He does have those soft brown eyes, and so it's like mm. the women want to look at him, and the men think they could be him. Yeah, exactly, and and in a way, it was a inspired choice. Oh, for because sure. You're absolutely right, because in that way, you know, and that's probably what the how the film did so well was that you you would maybe have a a couple or husband and wife or whoever who would go to the cinema Mm -hmm. and he'd go because he wanted to see an action movie with, uh, you know, a guy who he could probably be one day if he went to the gym. And and then you had the wife who was like, oh, I quite like him. He's quite exactly. And and it, it was a winner. And then, obviously, for the for the men, obviously, Sandra Bullock was obviously at the time she was fresh faced. She was pretty much girl next door kind of look. Absolutely, she, absolutely. And she's not threatening to women, I guess. Either no, because, because she's she, so cute. She she is perfect. Yeah. She's she's like she. I can't even describe like how I felt about Sandra Bullock back then, but I I just loved her so much because she was a bit goofy and. A little bit like unassuming and well she's not she a bombshell wasn't... she's very pretty but she's not a bombshell and she's got the cute haircut and she's wearing yeah. like regular clothes and a hoodie yeah. and so it's like it's very you know that's another thing that we've gotten away from in action movies in my opinion where the the women and you know i want to say out front that the society as a whole owes megan fox an apology but it's like in the Transformers movie, like, when we got to mm. that point with the, like, midriff and the cleavage and the short skirts mm. with the action movie women, we got to a bad spot. And we're yeah, pulling out of totally. that a little bit now, but it's like, this was before that, and I think that that's why... So it's like, it's the same on both sides, where men think that they can be Keanu Reeves in this movie, and women want to look at Keanu Reeves in this movie, and women think that they could be Sandra Bullock in this movie, and men want to be with Sandra Bullock in this movie. And so it's yeah. like, it's it's like the exact, it's one of those lightning in a bottle moments where, like, the, the script got tweaked just right, you know, the story is just simple but so interesting, and then the chemistry between the leads and the acting on the leads, and, like, everything came together in one of those just exactly perfect cinema moments for this movie. Yeah. It's, <clears throat> yeah, it, I, I completely agree with what you've just said. I think that that kind of summarizes everything that's, that's just brilliant mm-hmm. about this movie and about 
why it's so appealing, I think, even now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like 25 years old and it's still probably one of the best action movies ever made. Absolutely. Because it, it, it can still hold your attention. It can still make you feel these feelings and it can still... It still kind of has these appealing characters yeah. and these appealing actors who are just wonderful together. They're wonderful apart. And, you know, you, you, you kind of feel like... It's it's a bit of like a, a genie in a bottle situation mm-hmm. it, that the everything kind of came together really really well and I'm not going to lie I watched Speed too um, and that is basically the complete opposite in every way <laughs> okay <laughs> in every way I saw that you were watching it and all I want to say is that I'm a hundred percent sure I spent money to see Speed two in the theater when it came out. Why? I. <laughs> Why would you do that? Because I liked the first one, and I. When did the okay. second one come out? What year? Uh, I think it was ninety-seven. Okay, so by that point, I was old enough to go by myself. So I went and saw it by myself, and not by not like alone. Alone, I was only thir- twelve or thirteen, but I saw it with friends. So I was able to go. I was able to see it, and then I still really liked Sandra Bullock, and I really liked yeah. the trailer. Because it had that UB40 song in it. <laughs> oh my god. And that is when I started really liking Jason Patrick. And I also liked Willem Dafoe. And so all I really remember is that the guy who drives the Jaguar in um, in the first speed, the one that he like commandeers his car, his name is Glenn yeah. Plummer. And he is in the second one, he drives the speedboat. Yep. And I remember Willem Dafoe had a bunch of leeches because he had some kind of blood disorder. Oh my god, that really creeped me out with the leeches. I hate yeah. leeches. That's pretty much all I remember. Yeah. And, oh, and then when the, the cruise ship like crashes into the pier at the end, right? Yeah. yeah okay, that's all yeah. I remember. But I, I remember liking it at the time. But again, I was like 13. Yeah, the thing is, is it's it's called Speed 2. So Cruise one would control. assume that it was it it contains some sort of speed, um, <laughs> and I mean obviously there is speed boats, sure. um, which I guess are speedy. But cruise um, ships don't go that fast. I just the thing is, it's 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 got obviously Sandra Bullock, and I think to be fair, I I know that Keanu refused to do mm-hmm. it because. He was like, I'm not doing this. It sounds like she... And everyone was like, yes, Keanu, you were right. You're the man. Um, But then, because he refused, he was then blacklisted by 20th Century Fox for 11 years. Unbelievable. Which is crazy, considering how bad this movie was. He was absolutely right to pass on it. Oh, for sure. Um, and, And Sandra Bullock, she agreed, but only because she wanted to... She had a passion project uh, called Hope Floats, which I do remember seeing a long time ago, but not since. Oh my God, it's so um, good. You should definitely watch it again. Yeah, I I do remember enjoying it, but I don't remember much about it. So I, I probably should really watch that again. But Hope Floats apparently did really well. It did, and yeah. she she really wanted to get it done. And they kind of said, well, you, you do our sequel. We'll fund your passion project. Yeah. So to be fair, we have um speed two to thank for hope floats uh, which is probably the only good thing about speed two um other than sandra bullock is gorgeous yeah her hair is um, a little bit longer i mean she's just the most beautiful thing in the whole movie and 
I will concede, although I think Jason Patrick is not good, um, <laughs> I think he has nice eyes. He, he, is, but... he is handsome. He's not as handsome as he's, Keanu yeah, Reeves. He's handsome. But, and he's certainly made better movies. Um, but yeah, I that I remember very little about it, except for I think it started my love affair with Willem Dafoe, because I, I still love everything he does to this day. I really do love Willem Dafoe. I can't get over the meme of, um, is it like Willem Dafoe, Willem Friend? Yes, yeah. I, just, I still, every time I see Willem Dafoe, I can't get over that. It's so um, good. But also the googly eyes that he does, uh-huh. you know, yeah, I can't. I've struggled to get past the, the googly, the thing that he does with his eyes. I'm not sure how he does it, but he kind of stares into my soul when yes. he does that. I, I um, love so much when people who are strange looking just lean into it. Like <laughs> like him and um, Steve Buscemi, people like that. I, oh, and I love Steve Buscemi. Honestly, even a way more handsome example, but Bill Skarsgård, who plays Pennywise yes. in the new It movies. He, they just like, I love it when they don't try to be something they're not, when they just really <laughs> lean in. It's, it's always the best choice to lean into your weirdness. I mean, if you're weird, just be weird. Yeah, totally. I'm, I'm weird, and that's who I am, so... People just need to deal with my weirdness. It takes but, too um, it takes too many people too long to understand that being weird is the best part of being a person. Yeah. yeah. No, totally. And it was one of those things where I, I, I was a very weird child. Um, and it's probably one of those things that I was always a bit ashamed of because I was basically a bit of a weird child. And now I'm like, I love the fact that I was a weird child. Yeah. I love the fact that I, I read comic books and literally no one, no none of my friends read comic books. I was the only girl that in my whole friend group who knew what a comic book was oh my gosh and and well i mean this was like the middle of of england in like the sort of early late 80s early 90s kind yeah. of time and and it was it just we didn't really have comic book shops or anything like that it it's it's only something that's really kind of started you know since sort of, sort of the 2000s onwards sure, yeah. that comic book stores have started to be prevalent sort of around here because I don't live anywhere near London so London is kind of out out of the way yeah, really for yeah. me um but but yeah it's like the fact that I I loved superhero stuff and I loved the X-Men and I felt I've always sort of talked about my affinity with the X-Men about because obviously they were kind of outcasts mm-hmm. because they were different and I was I've always kind of felt the same because I've always felt different to, especially kind of other girls. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially growing up, you know, as a teenager, I always felt like I liked different things because I did, I was the the kid who liked watching, you know, action movies, Mm -hmm. stuff like Speed, you know, and it's like, I'd always get told, oh, well, that's a boy movie. And I'm like, God, oh, it's yeah, so... but is it though? Ugh, movies shouldn't be gendered. I hate it so much. I... I, ha- I hate it. I hate it. I was very similar because, you know, I, like I said at the beginning, my parents sort of let me, with, with exceptions, but I, they sort of let me watch and absorb whatever media, movies, TV, books. I, I was not restricted in my book reading at all. And so there are so many things where I do have this affinity for, and I think my weirdness is... A, is more towards like old movies like I have a lot of old movies that I love that people have never even heard of and it's because my parents whenever they would get you know the free HBO weekend Mm -hmm. they would videotape movies off of HBO so we had like 300 movies 
like old movies. So like I've seen Lawrence of Arabia. I've seen Bridge on the wow. River Kwai. Like one of my favorite movies of all time is called That Touch of Mink, which is a Doris Day and Cary Grant movie. You know, it's, it's like people don't yeah. people don't know those movies anymore and they're no. so good. And so it's like that's the kind of thing where I do have kind of an affinity for, you know, these dramatic movies that people my age didn't didn't like like I really I really loved Forrest Gump when I was too young for Forrest Gump I really loved the Shawshank Redemption where at a time when I didn't understand a lot of the things that were happening to Andy in prison you know it's like I so I have these weird these weird like deep dark things that I I really gravitate gravitated towards as a child that have I think served me a little bit better as an adult where like I wasn't I did see all the rom-coms and stuff and all the quote-unquote girl movies that I was supposed to but those were never my favorite ones and I think that's so interesting how we gender stuff like that in a gross way yeah no and I think it's something that is it doesn't happen as much nowadays which I'm kind of thankful for that I kind of feel like because I've spoken a couple of times about you know, on this show about my niece and about how I always kind of instill this value in her that she can like whatever she wants to like. Yeah. It doesn't matter what what it is. You can still like it. And I, I always encourage her, you know, when I specifically took her to Captain Marvel because I wanted to show her that because my, my nephew, her brother, is very into superheroes. He loves Spider-Man. He loves Toy Story now. Mm-hmm. Toy Story is his new fave. But, you know, he, he loves Spider-Man and Captain America and, and Iron Man and all of that. And she always kind of felt that that wasn't for her. And so that's kind of part of the reason why I, I loved Captain Marvel so much was it was for me and the way it made me feel, but it was also for her. And to kind of say, look, this this is for you as well. But you don't just have to like Captain Marvel. You can also like Captain America and Oh, Thor. totally. And, you know, it's it's not, it's, and, and it's something that I'm really, I guess I, I guess you could say passion, passionate about. Because oh, yes, me it's, too. It's really important to me that children understand that there is no segregation in art and film and music. And, yeah. but that kind of extends not just to gender, but, you know, to you know someone's race you know just because you're a white person it doesn't mean you can't like rap music and, and that's i definitely I totally agree with you and that's one of the things that i i love so much we have a friend named amira and she um she's not really a fan of comic book stuff but her boyfriend is and she told us when she saw avengers endgame and they have the a-force scene when all the mm-hmm. female avengers come and they're in the same spot and they're in the same shot and it's freaking amazing she was like i might have liked superhero movies when i was growing up if there had ever been even one thing like that like one shot like that when we were growing up and i just like you know so many people think it's pandering but i think that it's just like the first it's the first wave of what's coming and like if we get an a-force movie i will lose my mind I will be there. I will be there losing my mind with you. Could you even imagine? <laughs> I just, I, I want it so badly. And, and I, I understand why people thought it was pandering. And I understand, you know, the comments about, um, you know, the, the guy in the support group. Um, and they were like, oh, this is the first homosexual yeah. character. And I, I, not, I understand why people were annoyed. And I fully believe that they will be going down the route of introducing a named character 
who yeah. who is LGBT, and they're going to do it soon because oh, super soon they, they've said they are going to. Yeah, it's something they they can't sit on it now. They've they've no. they've they've got to do it. But it's, again, it's, it's about time. To me, the um, the thing with that is, I think people people jumped on it and was like, well, that's the straight director pretending to be gay. That's not okay. And I think people jumped on that as opposed to, do you understand what it means that Captain America just sanctioned a gay relationship? Hmm. That's important. Like, that's a thing. It's sort of like on a show that we have talked mad shit about once upon a time. At a certain point, Snow White gives her blessing to a lesbian relationship She's the grand dame of Disney. For that, for these characters specifically to be the ones who are like, this is something that's okay to do. I think people are missing the importance of that. And Mm. in a way where they're just getting mad about the fact that it's not exactly how they want. And they're missing what a big step it is. Yeah. Because it is still really important. Like that's a step you need to take. And it's, Mm. it doesn't mean that it's as far as we need to go, but I think people miss what a big deal it is. It's a really big deal. Yeah, it's almost like if a character who is as entrenched in um, duty and and honour and... The military. And, and the military yeah. and all of that can turn around and endorse this and be happy for this person. Right. And that, you know, maybe that will inspire people who... Because there are still a lot of people out there who are not you know, behind the LGBT yeah. movement that, you know, if if that character, someone like Captain America, who stands for basically the whole of America exactly. in his values, can turn around and say, I endorse that, I'm happy for you, you go for it, that maybe they might think, well, hold on a second, maybe it's not wrong. Exactly. You know, maybe I should also be celebrating this and encouraging this and, and helping people and yeah, I, I completely I completely am with you on that. Um, I think it is important, and I think that they will take the steps. And 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 similarly with with A Force, I I didn't feel like it was pandering. I thought it was wonderful. I I absolutely loved it. I did feel like, why have we not had this sooner? No, of course, <laughs> why, of course. You know, but it it was always going to be like that. We've we've had ten years of of Marvel Studios up until this point. You know, very kind of male centric, very male heavy. Um, and we've we've reached a point now where it's 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 beyond our time. Like Absolutely, we we're gonna get this now, and and I'm fully confident as well because I feel like Marvel is is generally really great with casting choices. Oh, yeah. I think that um, Sarah Halley Finn, I think that she does not get the credit she deserves for those movies and for the casting. Yeah, um, the cast is like I would say 99.9% casting perfection. Um, who who, and who I, don't you like? I feel like there's one person you don't like. <laughs> well, I. the thing is, is these people are kind of long gone from <laughs> the whole thing anyway. But I was never a massive fan of Edward Norton. Um, oh, yeah. He, he became difficult behind the scenes, so they kicked him out. Yeah. I think that... I think he's he's been really great. I think he was really great in fight club Mm -hmm. and but i kind of feel like i just never felt like he was the right fit for the character and i always kind of every time i watch the film i'm and maybe it's because i'm watching it now knowing about mark ruffalo right but i do kind of feel like yeah there's something that's not quite right i don't feel like i'm connecting with bruce yeah um 
Well, he's like notoriously and, kind of a kind of a dick. <laughs> well, yeah, there is that. And then I guess, I mean, I don't think Terence Howard was really bad or anything. <laughs> okay, so no, you I, just don't like the people who got fired. <laughs> I mean, I kind of feel like they got fired for a reason. Oh yeah, they um, for sure because they both both of them after their first movies they were like, "Give me more money," and Marvel was yeah. like, "That's not what this is about." And they were like, "Well, fuck you then." And sorry. I haven't said fuck yet. Is that okay? I'll probably bleep it out. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but they basically, both of them, both of them became very difficult behind mm. the scenes. And so they were like, okay, well, we don't need you. Like, you need us. And they let them go and brought in better people. Yeah. I mean, I'm try- I'm <clears throat> struggling to think of someone who I really, really dislike casting wise. And I, I really can't. Yeah. So maybe we should move back to Yes, speed. we should, we should. All of that can be cut, probably, if you want to save it for something else. <laughs> I'll just save it for, like, the after show where we talk about everything other than speed. Um, where even are we on speed? We've not... Jack's not even gone on the bus yet, Kristen. He's not even on the bus. We can move... Let's move... We can move quickly. We can move more quickly. <laughs> we, it's, the, the, the film is called Speed. So I kind That's of true. feel like we're, we are moving. we're being... We are moving slowly. We're moving at the speed of a cruise ship, not a bus. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, we suck. Um, right. Okay. So, Jack uh, is on the freeway and he's trying to find uh, bus 2525 um, because 25 add 25 is 50. So, there you go. Um, so, I this I really love um, the when he obviously commandeers the car mm-hmm. um and um, the guy is basically like, what are you doing? This is my car. <laughs> um, and the one thing that I really love about the scene where obviously they managed to get the sign up to say there's a bomb on the bus mm-hmm. and they, um, Jack is obviously trying to get on the bus. Um, and he kind of drives in front, opens the door and then brakes really hard. And, and the thing that I love the most about that is it, it's almost like the cars behind didn't know it was happening. Right. Because... Because if you watch the cars behind, and it might be a, a choice that they made to go, oh, well, you know, pr- to pretend like this guy is coming out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. But it does kind of feel a little bit like these cars like swerve out of the way and just in time. Yeah. And you're like, oh, my God, were they actually planning to do this on the freeway at this time? Um, I hope so. They um, were actually. I was reading the trivia and um, Jan de Bont said it was like the worst the worst thing that they had to film when they were on the freeway because they had to reset all the cars back to the beginning of the freeway. So everybody had to basically drive in a big circle like a bunch of times every time they had to do another take. Oh, wow. Okay. I I didn't even know that. So, um, yeah. So, and then when he, so he breaks the uh, car door, which is brilliant. Mm -hmm. And then Keanu Reeves actually was the person who jumped on the bus and he insisted on doing... Because he did, I think he did like ninety percent of his own stunts, yeah. which is something that's quite unheard of um, at Tom the Cruise, time, at least. Yeah, yeah. Tom Cruise is quite famous for doing the majority, and then he went and broke his ankle because he <laughs> did his own stunts. But Keanu Reeves wanted that, or he wanted it to feel authentic. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why I think this film feels authentic. And I don't want to take anything away from stunt performers because. Again, like I mentioned Sarah Halley Finn with casting, I think stunt performers are the unsung heroes of pretty much every single film you've ever seen in your life. Absolutely. Um, We've been arguing that there needs to be a, a stunt Oscar, like a, mm. like a stunt coordinator Oscar or something like that, because 
they don't get any play it's ridiculous i think these people are phenomenal mm-hmm. and and obviously everyone always kind of um sort of says oh well you know it's a great thing that the actors are doing their own stunts it's kind of not because you would think well insurance wise you know that's probably going to cost them quite a lot of money mm-hmm. to insure your massive star i guess keanu reeves wasn't that big a star at the time so maybe he just kind of could get away with it and i think <laughs> someone so tom cruise is like well i'm tom cruise so yeah no exactly I, I think he probably um, insures himself too yeah i guess um but yeah the fact that keanu reeves did his own 90 percent of his own stunts is amazing um but saying that obviously i kind of feel like i don't want to take away from the guys who do stunts for a living right. because they they are phenomenal and undervalued and i completely agree why why don't we have a like an oscar for for stunt work it's just we we need that before we need a best popular movie or whatever they were talking about last year oh definitely definitely i i don't understand why hollywood is still so insistent on not recognizing these people i mean anyway (laughs) i feel like we're going off on a tangent again let's not go on we're good we're good let's let's talk about jack (laughs) right so Jack gets on the bus. We're there. Yay! Yay! Um, and he obviously speaks to the driver. Um, and um, and I quite like at this point because Annie's obviously, you know, excuse me, excuse me, mm-hmm. you know, what are you doing? Um, and, you know, it, it comes out. Well, no, it doesn't come out at that point because then you have the um, Sam the driver getting shot mm-hmm. because, um, and I didn't, I think the first time I watched it, I didn't understand why this guy would just sort of stand up and sort of brandish a gun and be all like, hey man, you know. Um, Welcome to America. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I I don't want to go into the whole gun thing. No, but no, no. It's, it's, a, it's a bit, it always kind of weirds me out a little bit because we don't really <clears throat> have guns here, so. Well, he's very clearly and, some kind of criminal and he thinks, yeah. he thinks that Jack is getting on the bus for him. And it's like... Yeah. I don't know why he doesn't understand when he's like, I don't care what you did, and he still shoots, but... I, well, I guess the guy, the other guy tackles him, but... Yeah. yeah. So, I kind of feel like it is like a bit of a, a victim of circumstance in mm-hmm. that regard, because I kind of feel like if Ortiz, uh, you know, the big guy, didn't kind of tackle him down, that Sam probably wouldn't have got shot. Yeah. But I, I really like that scene specifically, because obviously Jack does attempt to talk him down and be like, look, I'm not here for you. Mm-hmm. There's something bigger. Um, I'm going to put my gun away and, you know, kind of just like lowers it down and tries to diffuse the situation, which kind of leans you more towards that kind of sensitivity that I mentioned earlier with Jack, that he understands the gravity of the situation, but he's got a guy with a gun. So he needs to, you know, diffuse this guy. Yeah, absolutely. Get the gun off him. Um, but unfortunately, um, Sam, the driver uh gets shot um quite seriously shot because he's bleeding quite profusely <laughs> and um and then annie gets behind the wheel and at first i thought that she was sitting on sam's lap which i thought was a bit weird <laughs> but then i realized that they'd actually taken him they off move the him. yeah 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 because so she kind of gets in front and then they move him but i i remember thinking for a long time that she was sitting on the guy's lap and i was like that is very inappropriate annie he is bleeding and so Sam. much annie <laughs> <laughs> yeah you are not helping him with his blood rate blood rate blood flow even yeah blood rate. what's blood rate 
um, you know, this uh, attractive young woman just all of a sudden plonks herself on his lap. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so they've moved Sam, the driver, um, and they're being taking they're taking care of him. And then obviously um, the truth comes out that there is a bomb on the bus, um, um, and at that point uh, the bus is already at fifty. Yes, it because is. Sam has put his foot down in this bus. Um, it's the only bus in the world that seems to be able to travel at 50 because buses here, it doesn't matter whether you're on a 30 road or a 50 <laughs> road or a 60 road, they are going to do 30. <laughs> so British buses can only do a maximum of 30 miles an hour. It's, I swear to God, it's the bane of my life being stuck behind a bus. I was going to um, say, I think it's the same here. I've never seen a bus going faster than uh, maybe maybe 40 and we also have really terrible uh, public transit anyway, so. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not brilliant here, but I think most most buses are limited in speed anyway now mm, because yeah. of pollution and, and all of that. So I mean, any kind of big vehicle tends to be limited here now yeah. anyway to 40 or 50. So, so yeah, another very 90s thing that there's a, uh, a large uh, passenger bus that uh, doesn't have a speed limiter on it, um, <laughs> so it can go above 50. Um, regardless, as we've mentioned before, of the traffic in Los Angeles and the surrounding area, um, which obviously I think she does do a good job because they do. Um, there are a couple of scenes where she's like, you know, stay on or get off kind of thing, and he's like, get off. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of the traffic and it's all building up, and you're kind of like, what? Well, what do you do in that situation? Well, you've kind of got to go where the traffic isn't going, but. I'd argue in LA, the traffic is everywhere. (laughs) No, exactly. Which is why I think I love so much, you know, at first they get onto the, you know, the unopened section of the freeway. And so you're like, then they're able to keep the 50 because nobody, no, there's no other cars there. And then when they have to make the very improbable jump across the unfinished part, they decide to get to the airport. And I I always remembered being like, that's really smart because the runway is big enough that even when you have to turn, you can keep at 50 for such a wide turn. Mm -hmm. It's just, this script is amazing. (laughs) Yeah. And that's the thing. It's, it's genuinely clever because you would, if you can't, if you're driving towards an airport, oh, you've got an airport in the vicinity, you know, an airport is literally just two lines of tarmac that kind of just goes round and round so it's like and it's got to be wide and it's got to you know be be wide enough on the corners for a plane to go around so it's kind of well that actually makes Mm -hmm. so much sense that it's it's almost like ridiculous it makes so much sense that they'd go to an airport um one thing that really kind of once because once they get off um when she's like say on or get off and he says get off they end up like just I don't even know where in LA, but it's it's almost like a resi- not a residential area, but it's like a built up area. Yeah. Um, and the the scene that always makes me kind of hide a little bit <laughs> is the scene with the pram. Yes. Yeah. Every single time, because although I know that it doesn't have a baby in it, it's her reaction because Sandra Bullock's reaction is so genuine. Because if you thought you just hit a baby in a pushchair oh yeah you would be beside yourself and you'd you wouldn't know what to do you'd panic and you'd be so upset that's one of the and... things that will i did speak to him yesterday for a minute that's one of the things that he remembers about the movie because he hasn't seen it in ages but he 
he has a very, he got a very warped sense of what adult life was going to be like when he was very young because of this, movies like this and also the movie Showgirls. Um, <laughs> the Showgirls. Yes. <laughs> so if you haven't listened to it, you should listen to the episode that we did with Sade because that's another one that's very good. Because she, it's very good. she had no idea what she was getting into when we made her watch that. <laughs> But, so he saw that, he saw the scene, he remembers the scene where she hits the baby carriage, and he remembers being like, this is horrible, this is what being an adult is gonna be like, is just like, running around, and like, hitting baby carriages, and having weird sex in pools, and he was like, I don't know what I'm gonna do, like, this sounds awful, like, it just sounds terrible all the time, and I just thought that was hilarious. I can't believe he said that. That's amazing. <laughs> but yeah, that when when she does hit the carriage, and I remember, I always and I know it's I know that it's happens, but every single time the revelation that it's cans, mm-hmm. just like oh my god, this is oh my god, it's not a baby. <laughs> every single time, and I'm like, but but why do I feel like that? Like, and also why I don't understand why why would she be pushing a baby carriage full of cans? I think she's homeless. Oh, okay. I think she's a homeless lady because she and the other lady that are talking they don't they don't look like they're like business women or like single mothers or something. They look like they might be L.A. homeless people. Oh, I just assumed they were just a couple of women, just like out for coffee, maybe. And no, I think I think she's supposed to be homeless. That might oh. that might be a uniquely American interpretation. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I never I never picked up. Because homeless people collect cans because you can turn them into recycling centers and get money. Right, yeah. that doesn't happen here. Yeah. So that is a very... Because Amer- I was all, it always kind of... I, I never really understood that because, yeah, we, we don't have that facility here where you can, you know, get money for things mm-hmm. like that. So that, I guess, yeah, that, that, that makes a lot of sense now because I've always kind of wondered why she would have cans in a baby carriage. But okay. So I've learned something new. Yeah, because then you can um, go if you if you collect enough cans, you can go turn them in. You can get money back for them, and then she could buy food, basically. Right. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah, I never put, I never thought about her being homeless. Mm-hmm. I just assumed she was just a lady with a carriage full of cans. <laughs> well, in that case, then maybe she's just mentally ill. I mean, now I'm saying it out loud. It sounds ridiculous that I just thought she was a random lady. With, with cans. <laughs> cans and a carriage. And now it, now it makes sense that she's a homeless lady. Yeah. I, I mean, okay. So I've learned something new about my interpretation of <laughs> this particular woman has been wrong for 25 years. <laughs> That's cool. I'm happy with that. Um, oh, and I've just realised the other thing that happens that always shocks me is when... so. Um, Jack agrees with Payne mm-hmm. because they obviously try because they've got like that big wide load uh, truck mm-hmm. that kind of goes comes across and goes next to the uh, the bus and Mac who's like the chief kind of says oh you know we can get these people off the bus now and Jack's like no he knows um, you know he can see because obviously the helicopters. Mm-hmm. Um, we can't get anyone off the bus. He's expressly said, no, no one can leave this bus. So I can't get anyone off the bus. Uh, but obviously the driver is severely injured. 
So Jack agrees with Payne on the phone. Yes, you can get the driver off the bus. And I do kind of feel like Payne at this point doesn't need to show mercy to the bus driver. Yeah, not at all. So the fact that he is showing mercy, um, I I don't feel like he's doing it for the sake of the bus driver. I think he's only doing it because, and like Jack says, you know, it will show charity to the people who are going to give you this three million dollars yeah, exactly. or whatever you want that you're you value human life so and there that's that's the only reason he's, he's actually doing this um but obviously all of the other passengers are confused and want to know why they can't get off the bus um and then um we have that lady who now this is this has always kind of irked me so jack has specifically said to mac we cannot get any passengers off the bus. He will find out. He will blow the bus up mm-hmm. if the passengers try to get off. So they unload the driver onto the uh, low loader van, not van. It's like a truck. it's like a flatbed truck. Flatbed, kind of, yeah, yeah, flatbed truck. Um, and then this lady is obviously standing by the doors, and the colleagues that were there when Jack said we can't let anyone off the bus, he's going to blow it up start saying to her come on lady we'll get you come on yeah and i mean idiots uh yeah i mean kind of there's there's moments in this movie a couple a couple moments where one or all of the people in the scene are acting kind of stupid and this is one of the worst ones for me because i really love beth grant the woman who plays helen yeah yeah she's really great i've followed her for a long time i've liked a ton of things she's been in and I get it, and she does a really good job because she looks utterly terrified, and all she wants mm. to do is get off the bus. She can't stand it anymore. I totally understand. But at the same time, you're like, I don't understand how you don't just sort of, like, like trust the authority figure in that moment. You know, trust Jack. He's mm. trying to do what's best. He's gotten the injured person away. And I also, while I do think his police colleagues, like Mac and the other guy, who is also in Silence of the Lambs, by the way, playing almost the exact same role. Um, oh, I, I didn't even recognize him. Not the black guy, uh, not Mac, the other one. No, yeah. I, I, yeah, no, I didn't, didn't recognize anyone that I knew. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he, um, they both, they both of them are like, it's like they forgot what just happened. <laughs> I know. And that's the kind of thing where I feel like having the two screenwriters might have, damaged it a little bit but only in very specific moments because the other one is is with annie later after they've gotten off the bus and everything and she just gets out of the ambulance and i'm like girl stay in the ambulance your hot dude is coming back for you you just gotta give it a minute and she gets out of the ambulance and it's like immediately taken by Mm -hmm. uh dennis hopper and i'm just like come on yeah yeah no, I I do kind of feel that obviously there was a little bit of stupidity kind of shown, and uh, and sometimes I kind of feel like if characters act a bit stupid, mm-hmm. then you can kind of forgive them on, you know, as long as as long as it's kind of within their character in in a way yeah. that you kind of feel like okay, so maybe these police officers are just really stupid and they just didn't here and 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 i you can kind of understand from uh i think the character's name is helen Mm -hmm. so she's terrified and she's on a speeding bus and she's been told there's a bomb you can completely understand why she would want to try and get off 
Yeah, because hers, she's she's petrified. Hers, I understand, and honestly, and that one doesn't make me angry because I feel like the cops and the bus riders don't quite understand it the way that Jack does in that moment. But the Annie moment really bums me mm. out because it it feels like she's been so savvy the rest of the movie, and it's in that moment where it's just like she's like, I'm bored. Like I'm gonna go yeah. outside. I'm bored, and I'm just like. I feel like there's stuff to play with in an ambulance. I feel like I wouldn't get bored. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I would I would make myself busy. I would just, like, read read stuff in the ambulance or something. Because I, I kind of feel like with that scene in particular, like, the whole point of her leaving the ambulance is so <clears throat> pain can, like you say, come and find her right. and take her. But I kind of feel like a guy of, of his level of intelligence, you know, we know that he can uh, portray a police officer. Mm-hmm. I mean could have quite convincingly portrayed an ambulance driver uh, yeah and, and i think and, that's like it's one of those things that it's like it's just that moment where you have to suspend your disbelief where you just yeah. are like you're like i understand that she has to be out of the ambulance for him to take her i get it hmm. it's fine but it's like last night it really struck me i was like annie what are you doing yeah and you do kind of feel a little bit like like you say why are you even leaving the ambulance mm-hmm. you've just been through a very traumatic experience you're like lay you down have several injuries <laughs> yeah just like chill out love your hot man is coming back trust me yeah. keanu's not going to leave you he's a sensitive man right. he cares for you you know he's going to come back um but yeah anyway um so unfortunately uh pain sees this lady trying to get off the bus and so he detonates uh, a bomb under the steps mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's one of the scenes that really kind of triggers something for me when she goes under the wheels, Mm -hmm. because I, I don't know, I, I guess that fear, I mean, as a driver, you know, obviously you, you drive with as much care and attention as you possibly can. Um, I, I am one of these people who breaks for animals, you know, and I'm not, I'm not ashamed to admit if a squirrel or a rabbit or whatever is crossing the road in front of me, I will try and stop my car. I am not going to hit that creature. Um, You're really, you're really not supposed to stop, but I do too. I do too. And I know, and I know that, you know, if someone behind me was, you know, couldn't stop, then I would get in trouble. Mm -hmm. But I can't with all, you know, conscience and justification hit something like that. And, but it has happened. Um, and I think, uh, I can't remember, I think it might have been a squirrel or something. And I was, I had to stop the car. I was oh. so upset. Yeah. I was sobbing my heart out. It was years and years ago. I was sobbing my heart out. Um, I had to stop my car at the side of the road because I felt it mm-hmm. go under the wheels. Mm-hmm. And I don't even like it when I hit something that's already been hit. Yeah. Like I by don't. accident, it's awful. Yeah. And... And just that feeling of, you know, going over something, it just, it petrifies me. Mm -hmm. Because it's like, and also the fact that this is a human being who's scared and just wants to get off the bus and she's been killed. We don't know if she was killed by the blast, but we assume she was. Mm -hmm. But then she goes under the wheels. And I mean, it's just, it's the stuff of nightmare for if you're driving any vehicle. Yeah. For something to go under your wheels is it's nightmare material. Oh no, and, I totally agree. And and that's the that's the moment where you have to be like the explosion killed her because you yeah you can't let your brain go to the place where she survived the explosion and me running her over killed her. Yeah, 
Yeah, and and the the reaction from Annie is just it's just like yeah. oh my god, you know, she, she's she, I've just I've just ran her over. Uh-huh. And and so that is just that is a primal fear. That is just and and again, it's something that the film does so well. It kind of taps into those primal fears that you have. Yeah. And it 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 exploits them, but it exploits them in a way that really makes you want to carry on watching this movie to see what happens next. Mm-hmm. And normally with a film that makes me feel these sorts of like emotions, like the dread and the fear and the anxiety, normally I'd switch off because I'm like, I can't deal. I can't deal with this. <laughs> you know, not only are you making people fall down elevators, you are, you know, potentially blowing up buses. You are <laughs> running people over, you know, and I can't deal with all of this, but it, the film actually, it keeps me engaged. Yeah. And it still does to this day. It keeps me constantly engaged and constantly on the edge of my seat, even though I know that everything turns out all right in the end. But, um, but yeah, when, when Helen goes under the wheels, it's just, I think it, it kind of hits them, the seriousness of the situation then, because at that point, all of the passengers are compliant. Right. And, um, I think they really do understand that that could have been the bomb that blew them all up. Exactly. And that's even um, what Annie says where she's like, I thought that was it. Mm. She basically is like, I thought we were all dead. And I just I, like, that's such a confronting your own mortality that way must be terrifying. Yeah. And then also the, just the, not only the guilt of her going under the wheels, but the guilt that you're still alive mm-hmm. and she's gone. Yep. And, and I think Annie kind of says, you know, she was just, you know, just on the bus, you know, just like we're all on the bus, mm-hmm. you know, she just wanted to get from A to B just like everyone else. And now she's gone and I'm still here. And yeah, it's, it's, it's the sadness of obviously losing that character. Um, but the guilt of the people who've essentially survived to, you know, carry on. Yeah. It just, it just must be horrendous. You just don't know how that would make someone feel. Um, but again, it's another thing that this movie does so well is that you do understand and you do, you can feel the empathy, Mm -hmm. you know, for these people and what they're going through. And, um, and obviously it helps that the characters, I mean, you don't really meet many of the characters on the bus. You only really meet, um, obviously Sam, the driver and Annie and Helen and Ortiz and, um, I don't remember what the tourist's name is. I think it's Stevens. Stephen. I think they only call him by his last name. It's Alan Ruck. I know that. Yes, yeah. Alan Ruck. Yeah, yeah. So I, I obviously I know his face because um, obviously Ferris Bueller, Cameron from um, Ferris Bueller. He also yeah. is in real life married to Mira Enos, which I find astonishing. Who's that? She is. Oh gosh. Well, she was first on Big Love. She played one. Of, there were she was a set of twins, and then she was on The Killing, and now she's on that Amazon show called Hannah. Oh, um, I've not watched any of those things. She was in World War Z. She was the wife in World War Z. Oh, I've seen that. Yeah. I don't... She's beautiful. Yeah. She's beautiful, redheaded, stunning. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, World War Z is one of the... One of those sorts of films that 
it's because it's um and I, I mentioned this actually on the a previous episode because um it was something that was uh the cabin in the woods the the writer drew goddard mm-hmm. kind of came in and, and rewrote the third part of that so that's kind of where i've recently known of of that link to world war z but um yeah i always found that film to be very kind of uneven mm-hmm. um in its tone because of that sort of shift towards the end but i think i own it somewhere so i should maybe watch it again um i mean it was okay but i don't remember her specifically um yeah she's so, just super pretty I, if i was gonna tell you to watch anything she's been in it would be either her run on big love or 100 percent the killing because it's excellent well, I have seen The Killing, but I've seen the original Swedish Oh, yeah, no, the version. The American version yeah. is what I'm talking no, about. No, so I've, I've never seen the American one because the Swedish one was so fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I guess where kind of remakes are concerned, like I've, I've seen quite a lot of European sort of cinema in the vein of, you know, quite a lot of, well, not quite a lot, but I've seen like um like the swedish the original swedish um let the right one in yeah and then i saw the american remake mm-hmm. let me in and i much preferred the original yeah um, I, i'm similar with that like um the girl with the dragon tattoo movies the swedish ones were so much better than the one that they got off here but um yeah. having not seen the swedish version of the killing i will say the american version of the killing is excellent the only okay. misstep i think is that you don't find out who killed the girl at the end of season one, and I think you should. You, it, like, takes you till the end of season two, which is kind of a bummer. But the performances are, are what you want to watch it for. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I'm, I'm assuming the plot is similar to the original I think Swedish so, yeah. version. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously I, I would recommend the Swedish one, um, but then I've not seen the American one, so I can't really, <laughs> can't really compare. Yeah. But basically what we're saying is whatever version you want to watch watch the killing because it's really good <laughs> it's quite good yeah <laughs> it's it is really good um and sorry going back to speed because this podcast is about speed <laughs> i know i know people probably don't think it is contrary to popular um, belief i'm surprised my husband hasn't texted me yet and asked if we were still going because it's been a minute <laughs> uh it's been quite many minutes um so at this point obviously harry no because harry has been investigating behind the scenes and um he they've taken clues for for example the fact that this guy uses a gold watch Mm -hmm. as the timer for his bombs and they basically start searching the records of cops um and essentially they find out that this guy used to be a cop and because harry's seen his face he knows what he looks like and so they find out that it is Howard Payne, mm-hmm. um, who happens to have a property quite close by. <laughs> and so Harry and uh, a team of, I assume they're SWAT rather than LAPD. I'm not sure. I don't remember. I think they all their vests just said LAPD, but I think they're like attack team. Okay. Yeah. Because I, yeah, I'm not really kind of 100% on obviously what the police department do and what they would get something like a SWAT team to do yeah, because obviously it's different here so SWAT is like um, a lot more serious I feel like SWAT would be more if they were going after like a group of people but because it's just the one person they just put together a tactical team of police officers because okay. they're trained to take down one man and they they obviously had no idea that his house was going to be rigged yeah because hmm. it is kind of a little bit rigged mm-hmm. uh, with uh, kind of a couple of uh, bombs um, <laughs> I feel like several so... bombs <laughs> I mean, the explosion is 
quite big. Yeah. <laughs> um, and again, this movie does amazingly well with explosions. I mm-hmm. mean, they are huge. They are, excuse the pun, but they are bombastic, <laughs> you know, in their in their excellence. I mean, this, and this is particularly heartbreaking because up until this point, Harry has been kind of the faithful companion. Yeah. He's obviously been injured in duty, so um, he's kind of on desk duty while he's recovering. And he's kind of the bit of the brains behind the operation, whereas obviously Jack's more of the brawn the action, of the operation. Yeah. I mean, he's the best looking brawn. So <laughs> best. Yeah. Um, and, um, and yeah, so obviously Harry realises who he is and um, pain is one step ahead, mm-hmm. as he always is. And yeah, that we say goodbye to Harry and the rest of the tactical team. And um, one thing that I really do like is that throughout the film, Jack is very focused. Mm-hmm. Jack is very professional. He he does care for the people on the bus, especially Annie. But he he takes he always maintains this kind of professional facade. Yeah, you know? yeah. He's there to help them. He's there to guide them. He's there to be like this sort of strong leading figure to you know get these people off eventually. And as soon as he finds out that Harry is gone, he kind of breaks down and you see just the frustration and the anger kind of just pour out of this man. And he starts, you know, basically trying to break stuff and he gets a little bit out of control. But I really like that because it humanises him to the point that you understand he's just lost his best friend and his partner. Mm -hmm. This man is not only... um, targeting innocent civilians um he's also kind of now going for these these cops yeah i mean it's it's like and, just a game to him mm, like he's just yeah. playing a game and it, it is it's legitimately hurting other people yeah and it's like he has this vendetta now against these two police officers right. who stopped him the first time so now he's he's got rid of of harry yeah and and jack is is quite rightly beside himself and it's it's annie who has to kind of calm him down and and she's the kind of the voice of reason in the fact that you know we need you jack we need you to be strong for us right and and it and i think a lot of of action movies kind of forego that kind of character development they kind of forego that that humanizing of of the characters because it's all about the action and 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 you mentioned earlier michael bay and he's he's kind of quite famous for oh well if you've got a good looking woman in a tight shirt Mm -hmm. and you've got some explosions going off and some cgi somewhere else then that's what the people want but when you've got characters like this who you're so in tune with and you can empathize with and you can understand what they're going through and you've got the action and you've got the chemistry. It, it, it's it's kind of a really, really beautiful little package. It's a that... much richer experience than mm. just like... I mean, I love the explosions as much as the next person, but I want to care about the people who are being blown up. And yeah. that's, I think, what this movie does so well. Because I care that Harry's dead. I care that, you know, Helen's dead. I care that Jack cares about Harry. You know, it's like, it's very... Yeah, it's just it's, it, you're yeah. right about the humanizing. It just it's it's so much better than just wall to wall action with no character moments. Yeah, 
And it's just... Oh, I love this film so much. <laughs> I feel like... I feel like... I know, I know that there's, there's... There are some things about it that we've mentioned mm-hmm. that aren't, aren't 100% what we would want out of a movie like this, but... I mean, just generally, as a as a package, as a as an entity in itself, it's so good, yeah. and it it's it's still so good today, mm-hmm. and that that is phenomenal. So many action films kind of feel a bit stale. Yes, yeah, for sure. But if you can say after twenty five years that an action film still makes you feel the way this makes you feel, it's just, I mean like wow <laughs> yeah there, because that's the thing too is you know i mentioned a couple others earlier the terminator and die hard and things like that yeah those are you know and part of it has to be the script and part of it has to be the actors and stuff but it's also the action on all of those things are just as good today as they were at the time and i think Absolutely. it takes a you know it's easy to do that with dramas and it's you know a little harder to do that with comedies but i think it's really hard to do that with action movies and i think there's a reason why there's these certain action movies that are that stand the test of time and it's because they have all of the elements they have the action and they have the human moments they have a little bit of humor they have the good action but it's not the only thing they have going for them and that's why you know the transformers movies are not going to stand the test of time no. Except for maybe Bumblebee. It was actually quite good. <laughs> See, I've not seen Bumblebee, but I really want to. Um, and I've actually just noticed, I went to the supermarket earlier and I noticed it's come out on DVD and Blu-ray mm-hmm. here now. Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, there is a possibility that I will be watching that very soon because I have heard brilliant things. And um, I, I wasn't convinced that it was going to be good, but I'm kind of one of these people where if I... If I feel like I really want to see something, I'll go to the cinema to see it. Mm-hmm. But if it's something that I think, oh, I'm not sure, I kind of wait a little bit. And I I like to hear people's opinions. Yeah, um, yeah. And generally, I feel like the opinions on Bumblebee have been very positive. It was... Sort of everything... It was cute. I've heard has been great. Yeah. Um, so, um, oh, I think we've missed, actually. We've missed about when Jack gets off the bus and he goes on the, the little wheel sledge thing yes. to go underneath. Yeah. Which is... One of the best scenes in the whole film because it's so tense. It's very tense. Um, and the fact that Keanu Reeves went under a bus. I mean, that takes some. Uh, you know what? I'll, I will quote Ortiz. That takes some big cojones. I know it really does. I wouldn't do um, it. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think anyone would. And I kind of feel like that. It just kind of summarizes the levels that Jack is willing to go to. To try and defuse this. Yeah. Because obviously, at this point, Harry is still alive. Because we have missed a bit. Yeah. Because um, Harry's actually the one who guides him through defusing the bomb. They see the watch. Um, and, um, yeah, they discover that, unfortunately, it's too complicated. They can't defuse it. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have to go back to the drawing board. And then, obviously, they have an issue with the cable on the little sledge mm-hmm. thing. And... Um, the, it kind of, it starts to, oh, it's horrible, but it starts to like weave left and right, which it's just, yeah. it's just thinking about it just makes me, oh God, you're under a bus and you think the, the little sledge that you're on is starting to move left and right. And you're like, oh my God, there are <laughs> tires there. Oh my God. Um, and yeah, obviously then he, um, he manages to kind of grab the underside of the bus and sort of hold himself there. And 
I mean, his abs must be doing some serious work. Yeah, and that's the, a, and his arms. That's a good moment uh, for his arms too. Again, just to bring yeah. just to bring the conversation back to Keanu Reeves' arms. <laughs> they are some fine, fine-looking <laughs> arms. Um, and then obviously um, Ortiz, who's obviously a big strapping man. Mm-hmm. Um, they they manage to get the the access panel up, and Ortiz manages to to get Jack up, and it's then that obviously Harry then gets killed Mm -hmm. and jack so obviously at this point they're at the lowest low because they can't defuse the bomb harry is dead they're and they're trapped on a bus and there's a hole in the gas tank (laughs) and oh and yes of course they're leaking forgot about that they're leaking fuel so everything is going south for them um and then um i was gonna say harry but he's dead Um, (laughs) jack uh realizes that there's a camera on the bus because and that's how Payne knows what's going on because he can see the feed from the bus mm-hmm. on one of his many, many television screens. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, that's... And it's quite ingenious, actually, because the whole kind of recording the video on loop mm-hmm. to to then kind of feed it back to the, the feed that's going to Payne to get the passengers off is actually kind of a good idea it's a very good idea if only that dumb woman hadn't moved her purse the the thing is i know that they they only ended up getting a minute's worth of footage Mm -hmm. because at that point they had hardly any fuel so it's like you've got to take what you can and he explicitly said right just look ahead don't move Mm -hmm. we're gonna they're gonna record some footage and Everyone is completely still, apart from one woman. <laughs> right in the front, too. She's not even in the back. And you're like, come on, lady. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so obviously that's how uh, Payne eventually realises that they've tricked him, which is which is cool because that's the first time in the movie he's not been yeah. ahead. And of he's also else. he's also so behind the times because they have already blown up the bus and an airplane. Yes, and he's he's I like know. trying to push the button, and it's like girl you we've been past that you don't and, do that anymore and, i know but the other great thing is that obviously with them going to the airport the helicopters that are filming can't follow because right. it's restricted airspace yeah. so again another fantastic reason why if you're stuck on a speeding bus that can't go below 50 you go to an airport mm-hmm. because you can't be filmed it's honestly the thing the little things in this film just kind of add up to some genius writing yeah. i mean it's it's genuinely brilliant um Obviously, um, they they managed to get the passengers off um, because the video is being looped. So until Payne sees the stupid woman. Um, <laughs> and the bit that I love the most is Annie getting on the access panel mm-hmm. and then Jack getting beside her. And they've obviously looped some cable or something around the steering wheel. And they've put a... Um, it's like a pipe a, a, to hold the gas pipe. down, yeah on the gas pedal and um yeah and then they they managed to get off and it's it's such a great scene because it's it's obviously full of action and then you kind of get them kind of on this panel and they kind of end up at the end and it's just that's honestly that's one of my favorite shots in the whole movie when they're when they are rolling down the the tarmac the two of them on the access panel because it weirdly it spins them around and it's just such a weirdly beautiful shot in the middle of this kind of like workman 
style movie. And I think that's another thing about Jan de Bont being a, a cinematographer where I think he, I think he probably tried to get that on purpose. It just looks so graceful and, and strangely beautiful in this movie. Yeah. And I, I love that moment so much. And then last night when we were watching it, I was, we got to that point and I was like, oh shoot. I was like, this movie still has like half an hour left. I like always forget about the yeah. end. I'm always like, they got off the bus. Yay, that's it. And I was like, yeah. oh no, there's like a whole other thing. Yeah. Because it's like, you kind of feel like, oh my God, I can finally relax now. Mm-hmm. Because the bus has exploded into a plane, um, which apparently is cut out of a lot of showings. Oh. Because of the sensitivity of planes oh. blowing up. Interesting. Um, I assume. Um, I was actually told that um, by um, the guys at Act Flixpod um, because they. He mentioned to me about how much he loved the movie Speed. And uh, Jeff specifically said that, yeah, this particular one scene is cut out of... It's not cut out of all yeah. copies. Um, I think it's probably only copies that are shown at certain times like or certain places, like maybe planes, for example. I was going to um, say, is it because of 9-11 or just because of whatever? Just because it's a plane? I think it's just because it's a plane, oh, okay. maybe. But I, I think obviously post 9-11, I think that there has been um, a lot of sensitive sure, material yeah. such as this that has been removed from Because that's what um, I was going to say. Certain if, media. If you're on a bus go- that has to go over 50 now, you are not going to be able to get into an airplane tarmac, just so you know. Oh, of course. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's not going to work the... anymore like it did in 1994. Yeah. So basically what we're saying is if you are stuck on a bus doing 50, <laughs> then you're kind of screwed. Yeah. Because, yeah, you can't. Tuck and roll. Obviously... Tuck and roll out the window. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, because the security at airports now is so much different yeah. to how it was in, like, 1993 mm-hmm. or 94. So, um, yeah, I didn't even think of that when I was saying it. <laughs> um, but, but, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, because, um, yeah, the bus, if, so the bus is gone. But as you mentioned earlier, Payne doesn't know. Because mm-hmm. he's just seeing this video on loop so he just thinks oh yeah they're still standing there he doesn't it's weird because you would think for an intelligent man he would think well why have they not moved for 20 minutes they're just like still jack's still got like his arm up like looking straight ahead and they're not talking (laughs) you'd think he'd pick something up but he doesn't um he just picks up the purse um moving yeah so um so yeah um and they obviously because they want to keep up the pretense that they are going to drop the money um they they still they go to the money drop which is less like um, a garbage bin sort of located on the corner of somewhere mm-hmm. and um the money gets dropped um and Payne then obviously realizes that there are snipers everywhere there are snipers um he's been busted the um the recordings on loop he gets angry angry he's like oh no my plan's been foiled <laughs> i do want to um, say this is some of the most wonderful scenery chewing of any yeah. performance i've ever seen dennis hopper is so fun in this movie as the villain he it's really is wonderful and I, I kind of feel a bit sad because we've not really mentioned him at all because we've all been like oh sandra's so pretty and okeanu's so pretty um i mean dennis hopper isn't pretty um he he was he was handsome I mean, seen- yeah I mean, yeah, in his younger days, he was, uh, he was lovely. Um, but yeah, but he, him as a villain, like you say, he's very, he's very scenery chewing. He's, he's very kind of, he loves his monologues. Yes. Which I, yeah. I love a good villain monologue. 
Um, Who doesn't? It, yeah, I mean, it's it's a very kind of villainy thing to do, to explain what you're going to do to someone before you do it. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, I think he's especially menacing in this film. And I think, I think because, you know, at the end, obviously when he's dressed as a police officer and Annie very stupidly gets out of the ambulance <laughs> because obviously you would get out of the ambulance. Um, and she, she sees a friendly police officer and obviously he does... He can easily portray that kind of friendly cop. Oh, yeah, he's very charming. Out of the way. Yeah. yeah. And and I kind of feel a little bit like he, the character has the, the kind of scariest thing about a villain is when a villain isn't just a villain. When a, when a villain can be, have those multiple layers of being a good guy mm-hmm. and showing a, a different, a different facade to different people. I think makes an exceptionally good villain and a villain who's got a purpose. And obviously we know that Payne's purpose is the money. Yeah. And that's, he's very outwardly, he, you know, if people get killed along the way, he's kind of like, well, so be it. People get killed, but I want my money. So he's, he's got an agenda. He doesn't have any real, um, you know, affinity to any particular human life or anything like that. We don't really know that much about him, but we do know that he can, kind of put on that face of being a friendly police officer. Oh, miss, let me help you. Mm-hmm. And and you can fully understand how someone like Annie, who's just been through a very traumatic experience... And she thinks would it's see over. A... Exactly, yeah. she thinks it's over, would see a police officer. Because um, the thing is, is the audience know that it's Howard Payne. Mm-hmm. But from the character's point of view, if you see a police officer and they tell you to do something... You generally do, yeah. Of course you will. And if he's saying to her, come with me, miss, I'll, you know, Jack's told me to take care of you, mm-hmm. of course she's going to do it. And I kind of feel like that that is what we would expect Annie to do. We wouldn't we wouldn't expect Annie to question a police officer. Right. Um, so from that point of view, although I agree with you that, yeah, it was a <laughs> stupid thing for her to get out of the ambulance, she should have just stayed in there, I can understand why she would have gone with him. Right. From, you know, just from the point of view that, the experience she's been through jack's a police officer this man's a knows jack because he mentions him by name mm-hmm. okay yeah i'll go with you but obviously that was a bit of a big mistake <laughs> so um so yeah he uh so the money is is dropped and i don't know how he managed to cut through the f- floor of the pavement i think he but... he had done it already yeah, but ha- I don't understand like, how how would you do that without being noticed? I have that or... that I have no idea. I mean, except for that I, Los I Angeles know. is friggin' weird. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Well, to be fair, there is no traffic in this version of Los Angeles. That's true. So there was obviously no one around, no bystanders. He could just drill down, yeah, get into the <laughs> sewers, get the money. It's sort yeah, of one total. of those things where you have to be like, this is an alternate version of Los Angeles. <laughs> like mm. this is an alternate universe Los Angeles. <laughs> Yeah, it does kind of feel a little bit like that, doesn't it? Um, so, yeah, he the money is dropped. Um, he goes, so he's in the sewers. He manages to collect his money. Um, and um, Annie's obviously captured by him. And we realise, well, Jack realises that she's gone. Mm-hmm. And so he tries to find her and he finds her. Well, at first, he thinks that she's pain because she's obviously wearing this 
bomb vest. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't know how you wouldn't be able to mistake a man from a woman from behind. Well, that's but... my when my husband and I were watching last night, he goes, uh, yes, he's so surprised because Dennis Hopper and Sandra Bullock have just the same silhouette from the back. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, the hair is identical, the body shape, the clothes, <laughs> you know. Yeah, identical. Um, but yeah, so, and then he's obviously devastated because he realizes that she is wearing a bomb vest and that pain has like a mobile trigger Mm -hmm. um which we learn later on that he can detonate from anywhere um so he doesn't even need to be next to annie to detonate the bomb vest just like a coward well exactly (laughs) you know and 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 that's the thing you know this this guy he he wants this money he he is a coward because he you would kind of think that if if someone was so so badly wanted to get something done that they would actually see it through you know i kind of feel like there's um obviously i know um you and will have spoken about game of thrones mm-hmm. in some detail but one of the things that i love about season 1 specifically of game of thrones is the mantra that ned stark has that you know, um, I can't remember it verbatim, but it's something like... Um, oh, the, the man the... who issues the sentence should be the one that carries it out? Yes. Yeah, yeah. which I kind hmm. of feel like it, it's, it's something that they call back to quite a few times on Game of Thrones. Yeah. That you should, if you're going to issue that sentence and issue that person to death, you should be man enough to carry it out. Um, and I kind of feel like that a little bit here, because Howard Payne's obviously got his money, so he obviously doesn't really care about anything other than um but yeah i kind of feel like if if he really wants to cause this this man particular aggro mm-hmm. then he should just be kind of man enough to do it there and then yeah um but but the point is that you're absolutely right he's a coward well and it's um, i mean on the one hand you know you understand where it's like he finally got his money he's not going to kill himself and he cuz he's not just an agent of chaos he is looking out for himself but at the same time it's like he it's almost like the terror that he's causing is more important than if he were actually to kill somebody Mm. and which makes him even more scary yeah yeah no i think you're right um so then we have the so basically we've had a bus that's out of control and has to be over 50 or it blows up (laughs) and so now they were like well what else can we do i know let's go on a subway train you know that that famous los angeles subway i think it only has two lines (laughs) do you know i didn't even think because obviously when i went to la i well i i didn't even know there was one Mm -hmm. because the new york subway is so famous um i mean and obviously in new i've never been to new york but new york is seems to me to be the sort of city that's got a great sort of public transportation so you've it's, got obviously a subway and yeah i'd say it's um, pro- it's probably the best in america but that's not saying a lot oh okay <laughs> um but like in because obviously i've I've always anyone who's ever told we've been to new york has said to me you know don't bother getting a car if you're in new york oh definitely yeah that's you can that's just correct, correct. get a cab um or get the subway or but obviously in LA, pretty much everyone, I think, drives. Yes. Yeah. So um, I didn't even know there was. Uh, so this was like my first experience of a subway yeah. in LA. And just, it's, it apparently isn't even that long. 
Uh, I don't know how much, like, uh, distance it spans, but I think it's only two or three different lines. Like, two or three different directions. Okay. Yeah, it's very, it's not, I mean, it's not even as big as the one in DC, and that one's not very big either. (laughs) Oh, okay. Um, well... Okay, I didn't. I didn't even know that. Um, so I'm learning all sorts of stuff about America. This this is the sort of stuff I wanted the Fresh Prince to teach me. Well, there you go. You well, know, that was taking like, place in Beverly Hills. They all have their own cars too. Yeah. So they decide. Well, we want to. We want to do something else fast. And so let's go on a subway train and let's shoot the driver because the driver is obviously trying to call for help. So Payne's going to shoot him, and also in doing so is going to shoot the in um, the panel mm-hmm. that controls, the control panel, that's what it's called, the control panel. Um, and obviously the train is then going to go out of control. Because why not? Because we've just sat through the, the whole elevator thing on the bus, uh, you know, on the freeway, yep. in the airport, getting people off. And you would think that the film would want you to relax, but oh no, it's going <laughs> to... It's going to, you know, try and ramp up the tension again. It's just so, such a good, I think it's such a good use of tension too, though, because it's, I mean, it, it does keep getting more intense where it's like the elevator is pretty intense, the bus is more intense, and then the subway car is the most intense, especially because there's that moment where they kind of, they have accepted the fact that they will die. Like, they yeah. both think they're going to die. And they they don't, but, like, he just is like, we have to do we have to try to get as few people killed with this as possible. We can't slow down. Maybe if we speed up, it'll be like, we'll be able to do something different. And it's like kind of a dumb idea, but it ends up working. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that obviously you mentioned earlier about the, cause we didn't actually talk about the um, jumping the freeway yeah. gap, which <laughs> obviously <clears throat> is it, it's never going to happen in real life. That bus is going to fall mm-hmm. all the way down and then blow up in real life. Yep. Um, but obviously the whole point of the, the subway train is to make it go fast um, until it reaches the end of the line. Um, but before that, obviously, um, Payne and Jack uh, have a fight on top of the train, yeah. uh, which, again, really great to ramp, ramp up the tension because they're essentially fighting and like going under bridges and all sorts and um yeah the pain eventually loses his head which quite literally <laughs> I, yeah yeah which i kind of feel like there was no other way that because obviously at that point jack manages to get hold of the remote because i kind of feel like if he could well he couldn't have shot him because his gun had fallen uh, yeah fallen so he couldn't have shot him obviously punching him wasn't going to do anything um, and he couldn't risk pain letting go of the remote. Mm-hmm. So he just kind of holds him up and holds the remote. And um, yeah, it's, um, I mean, it's quite a gruesome way to go. Yeah, uh, it's pretty to... gross, but it's also, it's so good and it's so perfect for the movie. It like, it, that's, he had to die. There was no taking him into custody, you know, mm. he had to die. Yeah, no, there really wasn't. Um, and also we, we have to, because obviously the reason why Payne is so upset at this point is that he realizes the money is tainted. Yeah. Oh yeah. He gets um, splattered in the face with an, a dive yeah. pack. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, he's, he is pissed. Um, he's lost his money. He's lost his bus. Um, 
And um, yeah, he's basically lost all leverage. So um, as you mentioned earlier, he kidnaps Annie. Uh, Jack won't shoot her. So um, he ends up handcuffing her um, to part of the subway. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, so obviously they, they accept their fate. And But I love the scene where he is trying so desperately to get the cuffs off like he's kicking the subway pole trying to get it loose it's i mean it's tragic but it's also so hot i mean (laughs) it really is um i mean yeah it's it's heartbreaking and i think the music the music in this movie is so good i was gonna mention the score it is one of the better action scores for sure it's so wonderful and it's still you know, as soon as you kind of have hear, hear that kind of dun 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 dun, mm-hmm. it, it's just like, oh my god! You know, this is so exciting. And then, yeah, the 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 score in this scene in particular is, it's it's a heartbreaking score. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, you realise that there is nothing that he can do to free her, and that they are basically travelling to the end of the line. And and yeah, he, they essentially end up kind of in an embrace sort of at the end and it's just it's so well done i absolutely love it you know when when they're like right we're just gonna we're just gonna speed up and we're just gonna see where we end up and we're just gonna be together whatever happens and yeah when when the the subway train kind of comes through the construction sign it's just one of the greatest shots it's just (laughs) honestly it's so how i i still don't know how they did that with because it's it's a physical train kind of coming out yeah. and then skidding across the street and it hits that sort of slightly hits a van and i'm like how <laughs> how did they do that like how how do you how do you calculate this i mean obviously there is someone very clever who's calculating the speed and the velocity that it needs to travel to i mean it's just wow it's so good i love i love the end i think the end is just it is it is then, it definitely does wrap up one of the best in in some of the best like fashion of an action movie because again yeah. those other ones that we talked about Die Hard and the Terminator those all have sequels this I mean then this does have a sequel but it is not really recognized but it's crap <laughs> yeah <laughs> and that's and that's the thing and also you could speed 2 could easily just be called um Annie and what's his face go on a cruise it could or, also just be called cruise control and not even be the same characters yeah it could have no, it could have been like a directed dvd like try to rip off speed movie yeah like like you get nowadays where like transmorphers and mm-hmm. um that sort of thing where you're trying to rip off something that's that's popular um because i mean it's not a good movie anyway but i kind of feel like the association to speed does it no favors right because speed is so good and it's 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 almost incomparable you know the, yeah. <laughs> the, two, the two movies because if like you say if it was just called cruise control and it was just just happened to star sandra bullock then i think people could probably give it a bit more of a pass yeah um it's just a bit of a mediocre action movie that just happens to be set on a boat yeah for sure but the fact it's got the association to this movie makes it so really utterly rubbish it's yeah it's damned by comparison Mm, yeah yeah absolutely um but as we know um you know a relationship based on sex um (laughs) you know 
is is preferable to a relationship that comes from in, an intense uh, psychological experience sure. or whatever. Um, <laughs> and to be honest, I'm not going to lie. If I had the option um, for any relationship with Keanu Reeves, I don't care what it is. Yeah, no. I'm going to say yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Keanu because, Reeves uh, then, Keanu Reeves now, any Keanu Reeves. Any, any Keanu. Um, <laughs> I mean, even Dracula Keanu. Um, he's still I'm, handsome. I'm, I'm not going to say no. He's also a lawyer uh, in that. Yeah, yeah, he's a lawyer. He's kind of, well, he's attempting a British accent. He's not great. <laughs> Maybe I could teach him. Um, I'd be more than happy to give him some English, um, you know, dialogue lessons if he wants to come around and we can have a coffee and um he can talk to me and he can show me his muscles and i will just be like can i just look at your arms like we don't need to talk (laughs) let's just take the arms out let's see the arms (laughs) i mean obviously i i I will teach him how to how to speak in the accent and he will be very grateful to me sure he will obviously want to make it up to me and i will go (laughs) That's okay. Just you being here, Keanu, is enough for me. Just you and your arms in the same room as me. That's plenty. But however, however, if you want that relationship based on sex, I'm down I'm for not that too. Say no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so um, anyway, that that was speed and um, and a lot many of other, other stuff, things. Yeah. <laughs> and many many other things. Oh my god, we are we mm. are past the three hour mark. And we um, talked for like forty minutes before we even started recording. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so let's quickly kind of go through, because um, I've got some, obviously I asked on social media for any kind of thoughts or comments on Speed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got a few and overwhelmingly people love this movie, which isn't a surprise because it's really, really good. Um, so um, my friend Claudia uh, mentioned on Facebook, she said, um, I was living in LA with my dad when the film was released. And it was a joke to us how clear the highways looked in the film. Also, the clueless tourist. He reminded me of some travel companions in Europe. Um, I mean, I guess some tourists are a bit (laughs) clueless when they visit places. But but yeah, we've mentioned the the highways and how ridiculously empty they are. um, And and yeah, then they really are. Um, I had a comment on Instagram from Vegimorph. He said, definitely an underrated classic, uh, a lot of fun and thrilling action sequences, and just enough character yeah. and charisma from Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock to put you in character yes, I'm surprised it's not talked about more these days, especially with Reeves doing so well with the John Wick movies. Well, that's why we're talking about it now, because it's so great, and he's so great in John Wick, and I mean, he's kind of great in most things, so I kind of feel like he is very underrated Mm -hmm. but yeah i think i think early on he got a couple of things that were not quite right for him like um you know he was in the kenneth branagh version of much ado about nothing and he wasn't dracula and he there was something else that i can't remember that he's not very well cast in but um oh dangerous liaisons that's the one and so it's like i feel like for some reason people still think of what he did in the late 80s and early 90s and the the way he was miscast in a couple of things because he was kind of an an it guy mm. and i think they still think of that as opposed to all the things he's done that he's really good at yeah which is weird i know and and i kind of feel as well that he does have at the moment and obviously based on speed he has this kind of action 
persona. But yeah. he's also been in some actually quite good romantic comedies. Um, mm-hmm. He's obviously great at comedy um, because I I have such a fondness for Bill and Ted and I'm so excited that Bill and Ted are coming back. <laughs> and I... Because, obviously, I grew up with those movies um, and they were kind of, again, so linked to, like, my childhood, I do kind of feel a little bit like... I I really hope it's good and I kind of feel like it will be, mm-hmm. but I'm also a little bit worried about the next Bill and Ted. Um, yeah, it could go either way. But, yeah, it, but I kind of feel like that's not going to be Keanu's fault. Um, no, and at this point, honestly, I think I think people are going to lo- love it just because it's nostalgic. Even if the story's kind of crap, I think they won't. I think it'll just be fun. I think people will just have fun with it. Yeah, yeah I think so. And I'm, it's certainly <clears throat> one that I'm going to be watching, you know, straight away because I, mm-hmm. I'm so in anticipation for it. Um, I had some further comments on Twitter. So at Day's podcast said, no way that bus made the jump. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it, it definitely didn't make the jump. Um, but it's, I guess, artistic license. So, And it looks cool. I mean, it looks really cool when it kind of comes up off the ramp and it's all slow motion. It does look yeah. so cool. Um, at Geek Salad Radio uh, said, Speed is an interesting movie. It's an action movie with very little action and an incredibly low body count. What makes it great is the tension created by its runaway train premise. I think... Well, there's a runaway. I think maybe he means uh, bus, but um, but it's train as well. Sandra Bullock earned her star turn as Annie was the surrogate for the viewer, which I think is a fair comment um, because we we are seeing everything through Annie's eyes, um, and she really does earn it. She her career has like, blown oh absolutely up. yeah excuse the pun since since this since this movie and this movie was her breakout role and she. Like I say, she's someone who I absolutely adore, um, just generally. I think she is a wonderful person, and I think she's lovely. And I would, and obviously, w- when I'm giving Keanu these uh, yeah, English same. lessons, English lessons, that, that's not the right phrase. Uh, <laughs> Di- you're going to be his dialect coach. Yes, that's what I mean. Obviously, the man speaks English. <laughs> um, but yeah, when, when I'm giving him, the, the, when I'm being his dialect coach, um, Sandra is more than welcome to also come round and have a conversation with us. And I am up for being her best friend anytime she wants. Um, So um, show me the podcast at SMTP cast. This is Lorraine. She says, I love speed. I think I saw it on the big screen. I remember it being huge at the time, especially with Keanu coming off the back of Point Break, Bill and Ted and my own private Idaho. Of course, it put Sandra Bullock on the map. Plus, I dated his double when I lived in the US. Oh, now, my gosh. Lorraine, I think we need to talk about this yeah. double of Keanu. Um, <laughs> and I think we also need to know his name, his address, his phone mm-hmm. number, his voice. Is he system. single now? Is he single? <laughs> uh, if so, we can be available. Uh, <laughs> um, at, at the Flix pod said, I saw it when it first came out and was really impressed by its pacing, tension and wonderful villain turn from Dennis Hopper. I saw it a month later on a journey to America and was amused that they had cut the airport explosion scene out <laughs> of the plane print. Which is obviously what I mentioned earlier yeah. um, when uh, Jeff mentioned that specifically to me. Um, at Phil the Bear said, Speed definitely sits up there as an action classic with the likes of Die Hard. Still devastated every time Harry goes to check out the bomber's home. Love that Keanu was brought as Jack Traven, Johnny Utah, Neo and John Wick. An action <laughs> god. I mean, 
He really is, though. He really he's, is. He He's so good at it as well. I mean, I know that we, I, we kind of keep repeating ourselves on it, but he really is. <laughs> well, I made a comment when we, t- when we talked about John Wick on our show, and I he's up there for me with Tom Cruise for action. Who's like Tom Cruise and like, you know, Matt Damon with the Bourne movies and stuff. But to me, John wick next to Ethan from, um, mission impossible. I just find John wick and Keanu Reeves so much more interesting. And there's such a more like alive feeling to the action than it's so, it feels so regimented in Mission Impossible. And I think it, it just feels so much more real in John Wick. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, no. And I, and I think as well, kind of going back to the way Keanu has this habit of really humanizing mm-hmm. the character. And I feel like this is just, I might as well just call this the Keanu Reeves loving. Keanu Reeves episode. Yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's just all <laughs> about him. And a little bit of Sandra. Keanu Reeves, where, where we talk about speed a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've kind of, we've, we've, we're post like the three hour mark. I would say we've probably mm-hmm. three hours on Keanu, twenty minutes on speed. I think that's kind of where we're at <laughs> at the moment. But who cares? I'm just really happy that now my episode average is is dramatically higher, uh, thanks to three plus hours of talking to I'm you. I'm happy to be the outlier. <laughs> I mean, not only are you the first guest I've ever had, you're also literally the record now that I have to beat for, for, yes. for guests going forward. Um, Just have Sade on. I know you guys talked about Avengers for like three hours. Well, I mean, that's interesting <laughs> that you say that because she might be the next person coming on. Um, no! <laughs> what a good guess I made I know, by accident. I know. Um, I've just got one final Twitter comment because I don't want to miss anyone. Um, at Hugo's Post said, Crazy thing about that movie is that traffic would have prevented that bus from going 55 miles and over most places. Love the movie, but that's a far stretch. It's Keanu and Bullock at their cutest. How can you go wrong? I mean, <laughs> you can't. It's just... Yeah, I, I don't think you can go wrong. Um... And so I think, I think that might be the end of Speed. Well, and, and nice. we're coming to the end of the episode. I've absolutely loved chatting with you. And Yay. you are just as lovely as you come across in your own podcast. Uh, which wonderful. is wonderful. Um, That's good news. <laughs> so obviously, uh, I know we've talked, um, we've talked a little bit about um, your show and um, you've mentioned kind of roughly where people can find you. But now you have an opportunity to really plug your show and everything that you and Will do so wonderfully. So feel free to go ahead and plug your show and tell people where they can find you. Yes. Uh, well, we do have a website, so I'm watching.com that does link to everything. So that's probably the easiest way to find everything. But we are also on uh, Twitter and our handle is at So I'm Watching. The Instagram handle is at So I'm Watching the Show. And Will puts together really fun, uh, you know, photo albums for all of our episodes every week. So uh, with really funny comments, he's very funny. If you want to follow Will, you should also follow him. He's at Willow719 on uh, Twitter. And uh, other than that, yeah, we're everywhere you can listen to podcasts. We're on iTunes. We're on CastBox. We're on Podcast Republic. Um, we're not on Spotify, but they're very picky about who gets allowed. So that's, I think, the only place that we that you can't listen to us. But we're pretty much everywhere else. Cool. And obviously, I would recommend that everyone go and listen to you guys because I think you guys are wonderful. And I, like I said, I love the chemistry between you and Will. 
And um, I often get a little bit confused because obviously your husband's called Will and your co-star's called Will. And yep. it's always like, so obviously when you say Will's doing this, I'm always a little bit like, which Will does she mean? But I think if it's anything technical, it'll be husband Will. And if it's anything sort of presenter wise or anything else, it's going to be co-host Will. So yes, also co-host Will spells his name with only one L. That's that's a good way to distinguish between the Wills. So it's been really, really wonderful for you to come on the show and to be my first guest. And honestly, it's, it's been so much fun. And I anticipated it would be long, um, but I didn't think it would be this long. <laughs> so, no, no. <laughs> but I'm I'm so excited to get this out and for people to listen. Um, so I f- I feel like when you come on uh, our show for a Buffy episode, we're gonna actually have to kick Will out, otherwise the episode will be five hours long. <laughs> and I don't think husband Will wants to edit five hours worth of us squealing about Buffy and Spike. I mean. It's, it's quite possible that that is literally the only thing I'll be doing. I don't like to objectify people on the show, but when oh, when do. someone is incredibly attractive or I find them incredibly attractive, then I, I like to, to, to say it and to, to express yeah. that. And so I just feel like this particular episode has been a lot about Keanu, but he deserves it mm-hmm. because he's just so good looking and brilliant yeah. and lovely just look at what he looks like and then you'll understand yeah exactly the key the key is to be an equal opportunity objectifier yeah. you just have to objectify men and women equally well, and then it's fine exactly i think sandra bullock <laughs> is gorgeous i think she's gorgeous then she's gorgeous now she's been gorgeous her yeah. whole life i feel like we're going off on a tangent again <laughs> i need to i need to take control of the situation like like Annie on um, a speeding bus, I need to take control of the wheel and I need to slow slow this bus down. And of course, um, obviously, I am so excited to come on your show at some point. Um, obviously, we've not planned anything because I know your guys' schedule is crazy at the moment and you've got a lot going yes. on. And mine is crazy. Well, probably not as crazy, but um, <laughs> yeah. So, but. Hopefully, at some point in the near future, we can arrange something, and uh, hopefully, it'll be Buffy. Um, but yeah, I I very much look forward to coming on your show and talking about, to be honest, whatever you want. Uh, <laughs> pretty much, anything. pretty much anything. I mean, as yeah, we will we will figure out something for you before season six of Buffy because it'll be a while before we get there. Okay, so we will keep in touch and figure something out. Sweet. Oh my god. Keep watching on Twitter to find out what. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so excited. Right. Okay. So, guys. Thank you for listening. Um, as always, I'd love to hear your thoughts on speed. Uh, my next episode will be out in two weeks. And as Kristen has correctly guessed, my special guest will be Sade from Offscreen Babble. And uh, rather interestingly, uh, the movie that we'll be looking at, uh, Kristen also mentioned in some ways earlier. Oh my God, the anticipation. It's so tense. What is it? It's like an episode of speed. Um, <laughs> so the movie that Sade and I will be looking at, I mentioned on Twitter that it was a fantasy swashbuckler. It's the movie that reinvented the cursed pirate genre, Pirates of the Caribbean, <gasps> The Curse of the Black Pearl. Oh my gosh. Uh, so listen up, my hearties, yo-ho. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, so you were kind of right. When you were talking earlier about, um... About the Kira Knightley and Orlando Bloom, I was like, oh my God, she's talking about Pirates of the Caribbean. That's (laughs) that's my next one. It's so exciting. That's the movie that Sade uh, specifically wanted to talk about. So that's what we're going to talk about. Um, And if you like this episode, I've also done episodes on Titan AE, Captain Marvel, 
Dread, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow, Pleasantville and The Cabin in the Woods. And they can all be downloaded wherever you get your podcasts from. Um, you can follow me on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at Verbal Diorama. You can email me general hellos, feedback or suggestions at verbaldiorama at gmail.com. Um, my website is verbaldiorama.com. Um, if you like what I do and you want to give me a great review, you can do so on iTunes and I'd really appreciate that. Or if you want to buy me a coffee, which as we've established, um, honestly, I pretty much run on, you can do so at ko-fi.com slash verbaldiorama. So thank you everyone again for listening. See you next time. And listening to Verbal Diorama will get you a tiny pension and a cheap gold watch. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.